Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. This is Ray Burton, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Melopy Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. This is episode 279. We're going to sit down in the death magnetic era that we covered last week, and we're going to watch the Bridge School Benefit from 2007. Yeah, this was a suggestion by someone on Instagram, I believe. I cannot yes. remember who. Yes. But they said, why don't you guys watch the Bridgestone? It's one of their favorite live gigs. So that's what we're doing. We, we said yes. Look, we're genies in a bottle. He's got to rub us the right way. <laughs> A la Christina Aguilera. Amen, man. I'm dropping some 90s Christina Aguilera on you guys. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's one of her best eras. I mean, it's her first era, essentially. But I mean, I, I like a lot of Christina Aguilera stuff, to be honest. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I know the song that... that um, who's the foreign on Blonde's chick? Linda something. Uh, uh, Linda Perry. They, Linda Perry. They she wrote Beautiful. She wrote Beautiful. That's right. Yeah. I know yeah. that song. Yeah. And uh, apparently, uh, I remember seeing this randomly years ago. Like they wrote that thing in like a day. Yeah. And recorded it the same day too or something. The um, best songs are like that. Absolutely. I mean, wasn't it Johnny Resnick that said he wrote Iris in like 10 minutes? Yeah. And you listen to Iris and you're like, well, of course he did. There's nothing to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just meat and potatoes, he, but it's. He I mean, got that chorus and was like, okay, all I need to do is just build around this chorus. Mm -hmm. No one knows or cares about the verses. I give up forever. I don't want the world. <laughs> like, just just get to the chorus, please. <laughs> is there even a pre chorus in that song? I don't think so. That's a, that's a straight up don't bore us, get to the chorus vibe. Yeah. There is kind of a weird solo section that's like an orchestra, but yeah. it gets kind of weird and epic. It's probably just it was just filler, I'm guessing. It's like, and then he does a down verse. Yeah. Even the verse is kind of like the chorus because that back half of the verse goes. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's the, it's that like kind of hook that he. It's the Don't there. Bring Me Down of, of the 90s. <laughs> don't Remember Don't Bring Me Down? They say it 25 times in the song. <laughs> and the guitars are going, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> exactly. This is a master class in hooks. It really is. Yeah, that's the master class I want to attend. I would. I don't know. I'm going to implore you and our listeners at the same exact time because okay. I'm talking to all of you right now. If you haven't done a deep dive on G Jeff Lynn, you really need to. Oh, dude. ELO stuff. I mean, other stuff he's produced. I mean, did a couple of Tom Petty records. Someone just sent me, well, he was in the Traveling Wilburys, the greatest, the greatest band if, if you just look on paper, the greatest band of all time. It's like super group, yeah. Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Roy Orbison, I mean, Jeff Lynn. insane. And that record they put out is really it's good. just as, well, I mean, it's, it's the greatest it's, songwriters exactly. making an album. It's insane. But someone sent me, I don't, I don't know why someone sent me this. This was only maybe five years ago. Yeah. Someone sent me, it's Jeff Lynn and his, his piano player, Richard Tandy. Okay. In his studio, just playing his songs acoustic. And I'd never heard Telephone Line. Or uh, can't get it out of my. I think I'd maybe only heard "Evil Woman." Yeah, "Evil Woman." Uh, and uh, but I watched this thing, and it was "Telephone Line." Can't get it out of my head. Stepping out, 
cool. evil woman, just Jeff Lynn playing acoustic, not even standing near the mic. Like he's yeah. like he didn't even give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and Richard Tandy beautifully just playing all those hooks right. on piano. And I I mean it, it's one of those demarcation lines in my life where I was like, how have I never gotten into this? Yeah. So then got in, got actually got into like out of this world the ELO shit from the seventies. Right. His solo record Armchair Theater. Amazing, yeah. I mean, his his, his stuff he not only played on, produced, and wrote is just incredible. I got to see uh, he. Uh, there was this thing I did when uh, I was on tour with Kings years ago, where we were at the uh, Hammersmith Apollo in London. It was like mm-hmm. a benefit show or something. They did one song. We packed up, and I was in like the catering backstage area waiting to leave. And then Jeff Lynn starts cruising down the hallway, and mm-hmm. I was like, <gasps> "He's hard to mistake. He's very, got a big yeah. fro and usually wearing sunglasses. He had sunglasses. He on. looks like Phil Spector. Kind yeah. Of. Oh yeah, and it was." You know, he didn't care that the sun was not out. <laughs> no, dude, he's Jeff Lynn. <laughs> he's Jeff Lynn. You know, um, and there are very few people in this world I think look cool when when they're like it's nighttime indoors and yeah. they're still wearing sunglasses. Right. But uh, I didn't talk to him anything about I me. Mean, he just walked by and I was just like, wow, like actual greatness just walked right past me. That's pretty crazy. Well, here's the, here's the deal. Here's the here we we can end our Jeff Lynn tangent <laughs> okay. here. But here's here's how I can punctuate it. My whole life knowing about the Traveling Wilburys, the greatest supergroup ever. I always, I always thought I get why everyone's in that band, and I would get to Jeff Lynn and be like, "He must be a cool guy." Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. I knew he was. I knew he produced George Harrison stuff. Of course, he produced Tom Petty, but he, I think he produced Tom Petty after the band. But anyway, once I got into ELO and like dug into Jeff Lynn, yeah. I was like, "Oh, not only do I know why he's in that company with Dylan and George yeah. and Tom, he might be the coolest one." He's cool shit, man. Like he went from being like, "Why is that guy there?" to like, "Oh." That's why everyone wants to work with yeah, him. Why are they there? He's the coolest dude. Yeah, and he could he could write as good as any of them. Yeah, he did. If you uh, if you want to listen to the two Tom Petty records he produced, it's Full Moon Fever and Into the Great Wide Open. Open. Yeah, great records. Okay, well, thus endeth our. Did we just start a Jeff Lynn podcast? I think we did. We yeah. started and ended it. <laughs> we did. You're going to have to go figure it out for yourselves. But yeah, so okay, we're camping out in the Bridge School Benefit. So this was their third time total, but their second time chronologically. Yeah, and we're going to listen to night two. We're gonna listen to night two, which is basically the same night except for two songs, right? Yeah, yeah. The first night they did they did a cover of "Garbage's Only Happen When It Rains," and they did "Turn the Page" as well. Only happy when it rains. And so, first of all, if you look back at '97 when they did it, I think the only cover they did was "Last Caress." Uh, there was there was two covers. The first, let's see, I have it and here. "Helpless." Yeah, "Helpless" and "Last Caress." Yeah. This time they did a shitload and, and, of covers. and Tuesday's Gone, so they did three. Yeah, that counts, right? Um, but also that was around the time of Garage Inc. Mm-hmm. This uh, this little hodgepodge of covers is interesting to me. Very. Um, and then when they did it in 2016, also I think very minimal covers. They did they did the whiskey in the jar. Yeah. Something called uh, called clamped. <laughs> clamped. Yeah, yeah. I was watching the tuning room of it today. Which yeah. It's pretty funny. Lars playing V drums. V drums. Yeah. You want to explain to the good people what V drums are? Digital drums. They're samples. <laughs> so it's essentially. I mean, they've come a long way. And, they really and, have, and they do. They do sound amazing. You can hook them up via MIDI cable to your computer, whatever. You have samples. Blah blah blah. Roland famously made these, and uh, yeah, they're, they're they have like these mesh heads that that kind of feel like drum heads, and yeah, they're just triggering samples. They were big. In, they were big in church bands because you can control the volume. You control the volume. You can basically exactly. turn them down. Yeah. Now some people will use some drummers will use them uh, as like a hybrid in their setup where they have one or two of them to trigger certain things, I yeah. guess. But uh, I, I mean, I, obviously I prefer actual drums. Well, it's funny because you can't hear the samples when you're watching the tuning room from 2016. You just hear him clicking it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. Right. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, we'll talk all about their song choices and stuff, but I guess let's burn down the housekeeping. Yeah, let's do it. Do we have any more Jeff Lynn tangents we want to go on real quick? Uh, we can, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. By, by the way, let me let me just reiterate this too. Okay. Everyone look up. If this Jeff Lynn combo titillated you, okay. look up Jeff Lynn, Richard Tandy, Acoustic yeah. on YouTube. It's about 20 minutes long. I want to watch this, so... Well, it completely flipped the switch for me. Great. So then I went and heard the re- the recordings are wild. Yeah. Like I once heard someone describe ELO as kind of like I John Lennon famously wrote a song called I Am the Walrus, which mm-hmm. was it's like peak 60s psychedelia, strange lyrics, amazing, like the Mellotron's heavily featured in it. Someone once described ELO as basically like the starting point of ELO is I Am the Walrus. Oh, and, then cool. he, and then he took I Am the Walrus to its next conclusion. Because what Jeff Lynn, what ELO is kind of famous for is their rock, a rock band. But like crazy orchestrations and mm-hmm. stuff. And Jeff Lynn wrote all that. Yeah. He's kind of a genius. He really is, yeah. Um, so what's cool about this acoustic thing, though, is that it's all stripped down. It's just the song. Yeah, which you know, I guess you don't really hear often from because those records are so produced. And yes. There's so much very depth produced. to them. They're you know? very, very uh, maybe even overproduced a little bit. Yeah. Which maybe, ba- I mean, back then was, you know, I would say fairly impressive. Well, that's why I brought up I Am The War. I mean, anyone who knows Beatles will understand what I mean by yeah. I Am The Warriors. It's a really wild recording. Yeah, yeah. And so ELO is kind of like, I'll do that. Because the orchestrations in Beatles records were made by George Martin, yeah, who was himself like a great kind of orchestral composer. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. I, I think Paul McCartney did do Eleanor Rigby, yeah, but he didn't do Yesterday, and yeah, if, especially when '65 on. It's a lot of orchestral instruments in Beatles records. Yeah, listen to All You Need Is Love. Or, oh, yeah, you know there, there's a French horn solo in For No One. And <laughs> see, all kinds of shit. I like love that. it. I think it's so, cool. All right, so but look up that acoustic one. I'm going to send it to you today. Yeah, please do. I, I, I would love to hear. Thus ends the Jeff Lynne tangent. And it kind of to bring it back into Metallica, though, I've always liked acoustic stuff. Mm-hmm. I've always liked acoustic renditions of things. Because well, we're all fans of the Unplugged series from MTV. That, that might be where it started. Totally. That is totally a huge part of it for yeah. me, I think. But also, that's when you can really tell if a song's worth a shit. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because you, 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 can, you can take a turd. I mean, not all songs can be the greatest songs ever. Sure. Songs have different purposes, and that's why we call some songs deep cuts and album songs and album cuts, because they get you from A to B, and they're cool, and you can do a bunch of fun stuff in a recording right? that's just like, oh, I always wanted to play with a Mellotron or a theremin or something. And you can write a song kind of around an idea that's not going to not gonna be your, your encore yeah, song. Yeah, for sure. Band, bands have to have those songs. Yeah, absolutely. But you really see what songs work when you strip everything away. Oh, yeah, absolutely you do. It's, 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 it's yeah, yeah, just hearing a vocal and an acoustic guitar, maybe a piano like that Jeff Lynne thing. Um, yeah, you you, you you or you you are possibly hearing them as they were written or, or, or yeah. how they were written, you know. So and, and and that's why the unplugged thing was so cool too is all those great you know episodes, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, whatever. Um, you just got to see like you know behind the curtain in a way. I mean the big ones too. Yeah, STP. Mm-hmm. I remember Pearl Jam and Plug was really massive. For that me. that was like one. That's probably one of the biggest ones. That or Nirvana. Uh, what's crazy about the '90s versions of those is so many of those bands did it when they were like brand new. Like mm-hmm. when Pearl Jam did Unplugged, all they had out was Ten. All they played were the songs from Ten. <laughs> it's crazy. And State of Love and Trust, which was on the single soundtrack. Yeah, they didn't play Daughter. There, that right. didn't exist. The band Live, all they had out was Throwing Copper, which was their big MTV album. They had one album before that. Yeah. That very few people know about, and they played a song or two from that. You, but you had because they you didn't have any. Other, no, you couldn't say no to, to VH1 at that, or MTV at that time. You know, it's just interesting because an, a couple of other big ones in the nineties are Dylan and Neil Young, who have these amazing catalogs. So there was this sense of like, 
you would see like Neil Young's going to do an um, you know, it's a new a Neil Young unplug coming out in May, mm-hmm. and you would think like, oh my God, what songs? What's even possible? Right. Yeah. With Pearl Jam, it was like, oh cool, I guess they'll just play the album that we all like. Well, and it was cool with Nirvana because that was like one of the last things they did before Kurt died. Right. And they played songs from In Utero, right? Yeah, but so they but, played but, all apologies. But what was great is uh, they didn't do like. Smells like Teen Spirit acoustic, right? You know, there were some of their big songs they didn't do. Well, Alice in Chains, same way. Not a single song from Facelift. That's right. Yeah, because they they put out their self titles. There's a lot of songs from. They did a song called Frogs. Yeah, which is a super deep cut on their mm-hmm. on the album that was out then. But it was like Dirt, Frogs, Jar of Flies, and one song from Sap. Yeah, got me wrong. I love Sap. That's a great EP. No songs from Facelift. That's so crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I never. No even, Man I, in the Box. No We Die Young. Like, you know what wow. song would have been great for that is Bleed the Freak. Bleed the Freak would have been great acoustic. Or even like uh, um, Sea of Sorrow or Love, Hate, Love. Yeah. It's a pretty big omission. Yeah, that is crazy. What are some other big unplugged albums? That we're, we're not thinking of some. Um, do you remember the 10,000 Maniacs one? I do remember. I remember the commercial for it. Yeah. The Natalie Merchant. That was awesome. Because and I. You know who wrote that song? Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, he got it. That, 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 I was about to bring that up because that was the unplugged that, you know, back then when I was, you know, in high school whatever i was like oh i love that Ten Thousand maniacs song mm-hmm. and then i think it was my dad that was like that's actually a bruce springsteen song I was like, what my friend brad Lyons tells a story there was a there was a kind of bigger heyday rock guy in town named taylor Sorensen. you remember that guy yeah you know taylor Sorensen? yeah, yeah. and he worked uh, it's a side note taylor Sorensen uh, has his own like landscaping kind of business now mm-hmm. um after the tornado hit our street what was left after all the you know the, the chunks of tre- trees were taken out of my backyard with this mound of you know dirt and and whatever from the tree falling over. Taylor Sorensen is the one that came over and cleaned it all up for me. Well, cool. Yeah. I, I super random. <laughs> I've brushed up against him a little bit, but he he had kind of a heyday in town. He's a he's a good artist, kind of yeah. U two inspired, influenced singer songwriter. But he's a rock guy. Yeah. Well, Brad Lyons, single podcast theory. Brad Lyons, good friend of mine. We just went camping this weekend. Yes naked and um he talks about when he first got to town him and taylor both young burgeoning musicians working at like bongo java right and they got <laughs> i don't think taylor will mind me telling this story okay i know he listens to the he show for sure day. does <laughs> but he said that he got into a huge argument with taylor because he was listening to dave matthews cover of all on the watchtower yeah which by the way in my opinion the definitive version of all on the watchtower it's a good one but him and taylor got into an argument because Taylor sort of snobbishly said, dude, that version sucks. Dave Matthews sucks. You need to listen to the original <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. Oh, my gosh. The original <laughs> Jimi Hendrix version. <laughs> so Brad's trying to tell. First of all, Brad's telling Taylor. First of all, the Dave Matthews version fucking rips. So get on board or fuck yeah. off, which is what I would have said yeah. today. Second of all, he's like, Jimi Hendrix did not write along the Watchtower. That's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. It's very important that we make sense of this. Yeah. I got into an argument in high school with a guy. This is right when Fleetwood Max did the dance. Okay. Do you remember that moment? Yeah, this was in 97. I, I, I was so. in eighth grade. Well, they it was their comeback. Yeah. They basically did this live show where they uh, played rumors. My dad had my dad had the DVD, I believe, or yeah. the VHS. It, it was a huge deal. And it was one of those moments as a kid where I was like, oh, they wrote Go Your Own Way. Oh, they wrote The Chain. I didn't even I, those songs yeah. I heard on the radio that my dad would play. Sure. Anyway, it was a big Fleetwood Mac year. And as and that was the year I started playing guitar. So of course I was learning the chain and gold dust woman and shit. Got into a huge argument with a guy at school, almost fist fight, <laughs> because he was trying to tell me Lindsey Buckingham was the chick and Stevie Nicks was the the dude. <laughs> and I'm like, we're in each other's face in the lunchroom. I'm like, dude, believe me, I get it. They both have gender names. 
I get that Lindsay's a female's name. Right. I understand. But I'm telling you, for some reason, his parents named him goddamn Lindsay. <laughs> and her name is Stevie Nicks. Right. There's just no ubiquity, no ubiquity of the internet. Yeah. Just like no phone to pull out. I love that. I love that it almost came into fisticuffs. Dude, we were upset. Like, <laughs> and if we had fought, I would have cried because this is one of my best friends. Right. <laughs> the stakes just felt so high. That's dude. amazing. I was like, you don't understand, dude. You this don't has, get it. We have to get this right. <laughs> I can picture like whatever sixteen-year-old Clint like in, at the in the lunchroom going yeah. nuts over this. Well, you know how it starts. It starts with me being like, he makes some kind of comment where I can tell he's got it wrong. Yeah, and I'm like, oh hey, Lindsay's the guitar player. Stevie's the chick. Go back to my two percent milk or whatever. Right. And he's like, no, dude, no, that's that's. He was not just right. so brazenly overconfident about, and he was. I just knew he was dead wrong. It's it's so interesting when, when somebody uh, comes across <laughs> so confident in, in in what they think is the truth, and you and you know that's not at all true. It's a tough spot. Yeah, like here's me at 38. I'm just gonna walk away from that because I don't care. Yeah, but at 13, it really mattered to me. It oh, was extremely absolutely. important because my friends sitting around us who maybe weren't as hip to Fleetwood Mac. They're kind of watching us, and they're wondering who's right. And yeah. I knew I was right. Yeah. Whereas now, I don't care if anyone thinks I'm right. Dave Matthews Band is one of the greatest bands of all time. I don't care if anyone agrees with me. Yeah. Eat shit. For sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to eat shit, but you know what I mean. I mean you can if you want. I mean, if that's what you like, if you like, if you're it. hungry and that's all that's yeah. available. I mean, there, there's still protein in there, I guess. But um, I mean, I, I actually thought the same thing last night. I, I just posted on my Instagram story. I was listening to the new Chili Peppers record, which mm-hmm. fucking rips. By I the can't way. wait it's to hear so it. It's so good. Does it all rock? Is it like a rock album? There's some, there's some, there's there's everything on there. Okay, there's cool. there's good rock stuff. There's some mellow stuff. That, what um, a great band, dude! I'm telling you, this new record, and I, I don't know, maybe maybe because I grew up out on the West Coast and have been a fan since '91 when I first got the, the Blood Sugar Sex Magic on tape, and I've always been a fan since. I don't know if if I'm a little. Doesn't have to do with California. California. I had the same experience, and I lived in Birmingham. As soon as I saw yeah, Give man. It Away on MTV, I, I like you bought the cassette. Yeah. I might have even gotten the CD at that time. Yeah, and. Blood Sugar Sex Magic was like all I listen. I mean, yeah. Suck My Kiss. Uh, I, suck My Kiss was my jam. Dude. Um, Breaking the Girl. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Breaking the Girl. That's one of the coolest drum parts on the whole record. And it just, Under yeah. the Bridge. Dude. Um, Sir I, Psycho Sexy. Dude, I Could Have Lied. It's one of my favorite. Love, uh, I Could Have Lied. Dun, 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 See, I never. And, and it's interesting we have the same experience because I never had the early shit. I never had. Mother's Milk, Milk or like their Higher Ground stuff. Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Uh, yeah, I never. So Mother's never had Milk, it. Uh, Higher Ground was on Mother's Milk. Right. And, but the, dude, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was their fifth record. Yeah, right. It's crazy. What's crazy is other than Mother's Milk, I've never even investigated anything before that either. I don't know if I don't know if you dig it or not. Mother's Milk is cool, but um, before that, like, so Mother's Milk was John Frusciante's first record. Okay. Um, Hillel Slovak, the other guitar player that passed away, that found, helped found the band. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a lot like Frusciante, but. Frusciante is his own deal, obviously. I'll never forget seeing them play Under the Bridge on MTV Movie Award, Music Awards, whatever it was. Because I, I remember when I was learning guitar, I had this problem. That intro, bing, bong, yeah. bong, ba, bing, bong, capo two. Yep. And I remember, I was like, because then when it goes, sometimes I feel, it's open E. Yeah. And I remember being like, how do they do that? Because this is a conundrum. Like even the tab book said capo two for the intro. Yeah. And I remember watching them play it on MTV and a roadie came out right after he did that intro. And took his capo off for it. Oh, crazy. I remember not knowing what it was. I was like, what's this thing on his guitar? Yeah. It's interesting when you're a young musician and there's certain little you know, pieces of gear that you just, that blow your mind. <laughs> you're capo. like, wait a second. Like, I'm, I, So I remember when, I was, when, when my uh, sister and her kids still lived here, I was giving my nephew some guitar lessons every you know, couple weeks. And I gave him a capo. He's like, what's this? And I was like, so you know the G chord? I'm like, he's like, yeah. 
I'm like, you could put this anywhere on the fretboard, almost anywhere, mm-hmm. and play that same G position, and it's a different chord. And it's like blew his mind. Yeah. He's like, what? Yeah. I'm like, dude, check it out. And like, he started playing up here. He's like, that sounds so cool. I'm like, yeah. It, it, this is one of the fun, most fun things when you're a young musician. Yeah. You gave him a key to a door, mm-hmm. and that key was a capo. That's right. Well, so the new album is good. The new album is great. Well, my whole point in all that was. I mean, do you even fuck with One Hot Minute? I like One Hot Minute. Great record. Yeah, I like my, I like my pleasure spike with pain. Music's my airplane. I loved that. Song. Airplane's a great song. Um, the uh, uh, what's the song called? Friends. My friends. friends are so yeah. Uh, no, my whole point in that, in reference to Dave Matthews, was there's a lot of people that just dog on the Chili Peppers. I don't get it. I don't either. As a 43 year old man, I'm like, okay, great. I don't. I, I, I don't <laughs> care. I don't care what you think. I know. Who fucking cares? I'm driving to Vinyl Tap down the street from my house and buying the new record because it fucking rips. So. Our the fiddle player in Rodney's band, we were on like a, a runner car. Like mm-hmm. we were already at a festival, and the whole band was like going to get a shower or something. Who knows? But the whole band was in the car, and Chili Peppers come on like the runners radio. Everyone cool in that band mm-hmm. was just like hell yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the fucking Chili Peppers. Yeah. One guy in the band, I guess I won't say who it is, <clears> but was like, you know what? Never got it, and I think Flea's overrated. You may as well have. Farted in an elevator. You may as well have put a turd <laughs> in the punch bowl. That person can actually eat shit. I mean, we everyone in the van was like, "Dude, you're wrong, man." We, everyone in the van was like, "Like stinky. It's stinky." In yeah, here. you stink because Flea overrated. Overrated? Are you kidding me? He just kind of went hard in the paint on the Chili Peps. He wasn't like, "Ah," because we have a friend who uh, is kind of like, "Ah, it's not my thing." Sure. All right, that's fine. Fair. A lot of things aren't my thing. God, right. our listeners know that. Yeah. But to say that chili peppers suck and that fleas overrated, overrated. stinky. You stink. To, you know. You know. I will say this. I, I mean, so first of all, Metallica is his favorite band. Ride Lightning is his favorite record. He's a huge Cliff Burton. Who are we fan. talking about? Flea. Oh, Flea. Flea. He he inducted them into the Hall of Fame. Right. Right. Great speech. We've covered that. But yeah. I would say that if you say that Flea's overrated, you might as well say Cliff Burton's overrated because there are similarities in their play. Not slapping and all that stuff, but like just out there weird shit kind of in the you know we talk about um cliff being the Jimi hendrix of bass players you know who coined that is newstead did he i didn't know that yeah okay which i, I it's one of my favorite things that jason's ever said that's amazing it's so true it's so true but I, I would put flea in that category too he's kind of a Jimi hendrix on bass <laughs> did you see him do the uh star swing with banner oh of course I, did. I loved it <laughs> so many shitty comments in, like, on, <laughs> online i was like people like this sucks once you hit the fuzz pedals, I'm like, it's Flea. What on earth do you expect well, him to do? So the first little part, he does it clean, and it's really melodic and beautiful. Yes. And I was like, look at Flea. Yeah. And then I, I he, he hit like a diamond, and there was like a beat, and I was like, oh, here we And I saw he had a little pedal board. Yeah. He hit that fucking pedal board, dude. <laughs> And he's just going nuts. I was like, but thank was st- God. Thank God for Flea. He's so, listen, dude, that guy is in, in his own world. And if you want to join him, you're welcome to, but he doesn't care if you're not there. And that dude is, I, I, I don't love this term, but you know, the, he's like, he's a free spirit. That dude is going to do what he wants. He's a killer. And when he, and, and that dude, music flows through that guy's veins. So if, if the Lakers are like, you want to play the national anthem? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get weird. <laughs> and they're like, oh, fine. Well, it was clearly to me an homage to Hendrix. For sure. That's what, yeah, it, that's it, what it was, you know? The fuzzy, yeah. the fuzzy Star Spangled His Banner. Lakers bass was awesome, too. Like, it was oh, just so cool. And he, he's such a big Lakers fan. He's been, like, as long as I can remember, Flea has been a huge Lakers fan. You know, they're officially not making the playoffs. Yes. It's it's literally being called one of the worst seasons in Laker history. I'm sure, yeah. I, I don't doubt that at all. It's It's been a terrible season. LeBron at 37, averaging 30 points a game. It's one of his best seasons One of ever. his best seasons, yeah. 
Man. Isn't that crazy? That is so crazy. It's been such a... The Lakers are easily the most popular basketball team in the world. Sure. LeBron's the face of the NBA. Yeah. And like a lot of sports pundits are bummed because... Now, not me. You know that I have right. borderline irrational. <laughs> sure. Ra- I don't hate them. I resent LeBron's comparisons to MJ. Yeah. So for him to t- tank and sort of legacy get a little tarnished, that's cool with me. Yeah. But it is sad because ratings go down when the Lakers, that's what kind of what everyone's saying. They're like, you know, for the playoffs, just it's more juicy when the Lakers are in it. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, in baseball, it's like if the Yankees are in the playoffs, you know, you know, and I would say there are maybe a couple more popular baseball teams. Dodgers. Dodgers, yeah, for sure. The Dodgers are definitely having a heyday. Yeah. That, that's the other kind of stinky thing is like the Rams just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers very recently have been winning World Series. Right, yeah. The Lakers won the bubble. They did, yeah. Ring, which we call in the basketball community the Mickey Mouse ring. <laughs> a little asterisk by that ring. Right, yeah, sure. A bubble, the weird season, no fans, yeah. no home court advantage. People were injured. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird year. Super weird, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of sad. It is, yeah. I mean, I'm bummed they're not in the playoffs, but I know I'm definitely down to watch some playoffs with you, though. <laughs> Dude, it's coming up. It's going down, and we're gonna be on the road too. I love that this is just a tangent city already. I know it is. Should we just do? Are we gonna do this episode? I mean, if <laughs> if you want to skip over all of this and just listen to it down, <laughs> I'm down to do that too. Let's just blow through it. All right, look, let's blow through it. All right. Um, he, uh, let's actually let's make some time to thank these new patrons because the patrons make the world go round, and we actually have a giveaway too. And everyone's anxious about that. We we've been promising it for a, about six years now, yeah, exactly longer than the podcast has been around. So first of all, thank you to our new patrons, who is Mr. Popper and Jason Billadu. Billadu, appreciate you guys. You're going to hear a commercial very shortly, unless we go on more Jeff Lynn Reddit Chili Peppers tangents <laughs> about how to get involved with the Patreon. The Patreon's a very important place for Metal Up Your Podcast. It's it's where you can support the show, and it's real cheap. It's basically like buying. People tell us all the time, "We'd love to buy you a beer. We'd love to buy you a that's coffee." Right, yeah. If you'd want to buy me or Ethan a cup of coffee or a beer once a month, that's how you do it. It's super easy. It keeps the lights on and metal up your podcast industries. And there's all sorts of stuff you get as soon as you sign up: demos and Lunar Satan stuff, Cut cover peas, all of our cover peas, our quarantine covers. Yeah. I mean, do people even care about music anymore? It's I all don't know. there. I hope they do because I'm about to launch a fucking Kickstarter. But yeah. uh, one of the things you get is you get to be eligible to come on for Metal Tales, tell us your Metallica story, and you get to uh, be put in a drawing for giveaways. Now, the giveaway we're doing today is a big one. It's the Black Album box set. That's right. And maybe even bigger, two water bottles. And two, <laughs> but I will say this. The two water bottles are awesome. They're made by your friends at... Orca Coolers. Orca yeah. Coolers. Basically, it's Yeti. Yeah, they're the com- big competitor to Yeti, and they make kick-ass, high-quality stuff. You, you and your wife uh, have the Metal Up Your Podcast one. We use them every day. We have our, our zombie ones yeah. that we had made. Yeah, they're awesome. We use them every day. They're, Super they're high really, really high-quality. So, I mean, it's no joke. We're giving out two of those. So let's do the two water bottles first. Let's do it, yeah. And, uh, and we're going to do this right now, actually. So listen up. Oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. Now, if you are the winner, if you hear your name read, you need to reach out to us through our email address. That's right. Metal Up Your Podcast Show, show. at G gmail.com and that's when you'll give us wherever you want us to mail it your actual address a, right. a burner account a p.o box up your butt up your fucking butt now um, if we don't hear from you and you know by the t- next time we get together to record we're which, gonna have to pass pass it along yeah so pay attention everybody all right so let's hear the winners for the uh for the water bottles all right water bottle number one drum roll please mr matt hicks yay all right yay 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 
Now we should say this is the logo, the MUYP splatter logo right. made by our friend Nick Makoviak. Yep. So once again, thank you to Nick. Thank you, Nick. Nick, your beautiful work continues to live out in the world. And it's going to hydrate two mm. lucky people, one being Matt Hicks, the other Christian Post. Christian Post, hey! Christian Post, who we hang out with in Boston. That's right. I just I just saw him a few weeks ago. Him and what? Dave Ferraro. Well, look at that. Look at that. Well, however many worlds collide. <laughs> well, congrats to those two winners of the water bottles. You're really gonna love them. You're gonna love them. Stay hydrated. And there's only listen. Th- those are rare. There's now they, only four made. They are, and they also do a really. Now we worked with your friends at Orca Coolers. Yeah. Um. To to install this, it's brand new technology. But basically. Um, what Kevin Costner does in Waterworld, mm-hmm. he pees into a little contraption and right. it turns it into drinkable water so that you can live on a planet covered in water. Um, it does that. It's pretty amazing, yeah. Just pee into it and you leave it out in the sun for about, I don't know, six hours. Mm-hmm. Nice, hot pee water that'll hydrate you. Well, and it's not pee anymore. We're not. Te- I want right. to be clear, disclaimer, we're not telling you to drink your own urine. We're telling you we've just given you a cooler that turned your urine into water. It's pretty amazing. Now, if Christian or Matt try this... Please, please report back. We'd love to hear your findings. <laughs> All right. So now for the big kahuna. The big kahuna, the big daddy prize, the black album box set still sealed, still in the box it was shipped in. It still is. You ready for this? I'm ready. I need another drum roll, please. You got it. Carly Phelps. Carly Phelps. Congratulations, Carly Phelps. I hope you enjoy pouring through this box set. You know, Isabel and I did a big unboxing video. It was great. I watched of, the whole one thing. of my favorite things. That oh we yeah, did. that was one of my. Fa- it was just there was some some really sweet moments between you two for her not really being a Metallica fan. <laughs> it was really fun. At one point, I was like, I'm really excited about this. She's like, I'm excited for you. Um, well, it's as easy as that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were able to buy that box set with the Patreon support. We we're able to put out these EPs. We're able to throw these parties, which we got to throw a party, dude. We missed out on the we COVID did. the COVID shit. We did. our party game We need to like, like, like find a massive park and just do a huge barbecue or something. Dude, we got to do something. We talked about doing a roller skate party. We yeah. talked about doing a Hawaiian day. We, I mean, we, we got to make it happen. What if we did a big, a, a big like in uh, one of the parks around town where they have like barbecue, have grills, did a big barbecue and everyone has to wear a Hawaiian shirt. Roller skate's optional. I just wish the Metallica was touring so we could center it around a tour again. I know. That'd be rad. But yeah, I mean, because I was thinking about this too. We talked about this years ago. Like, do we go up to the Jersey area to throw a party? I mean, do we, uh, you know, maybe tentatively look at our, you know, touring touring schedule? And it's like, hey, we got a day off here right before this show in this cool city. Yeah. We know, obviously we'll know enough in advance that maybe we can do something like that. Throw like a bus parking lot. Or or, out, or just out. like a you know find a rad you know bar slash venue in that area we could you know post up at. Well, look, we're about to we're basically gone for May until late fall. So yeah. if you want to see um, if you want to see what's going on with our tour dates, you can check us out on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen to music. If if you can like or subscribe at any of those things, of course that helps. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're being begged by all the content creators in your life to do all of that. We're no different. We have to survive this landscape. Of, sure you know, the wild west of content. So if you like the show, and I suspect that many of you do. If you're listening, you probably Leave do. a review on iTunes, or you can, I think you can rate us on Spotify, whatever yeah. the fuck. Just, you know what to do. Do the thing. With the thing. And uh, we're going to dip into the Melty Podcast family here and what we lovingly refer to as... All right, our first email is from Ryan Gaylor. He says, what's up, brothers? 
OG listener and occasional scribe here. I think he means subscriber. Anyway, listening to last week's Maybe he's actually just a scribe. He scribes onto scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> he says, listening to last week's episode, as always, it, it's a pleasure catching up with all things metallic with you guys. Anyways, Clint, I just happened to see that you played with Morgan at the Cherry Blossom Festival with Driving and Crying, et cetera, this past weekend. I'm so bummed that I couldn't make it. I had to work. I'd love to connect sometime with you and Ethan. Hopefully, you guys will come back to the Atlanta area again soon. So proud of the work you guys have been doing with Morgan. She's a special talent. We agree. Uh, I've introduced her music to a lot of friends of mine. Well, that's awesome. I think we are going to be in Atlanta soon, aren't we? I was talking to Sadler the other day, and he was like, hey, I'm coming to the Atlanta show. So I don't... Um, I know there's some like Eddie's Attic stuff, but that's usually like solo. That's acoustic. Yeah. That's not us. I don't know. We'll have to look at our schedule. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Uh, he says, says uh, speaking of Atlanta, um, I think I'd like to do a Metal Tales about the Atlanta show from this past year, but I have to admit, I'm frightened to speak on air. I, I'm a stutterer. So am I, dude. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time. I'd love to do it, but I'm think I'm still thinking it over. I hate to put you guys through so much editing. Uh, well, uh, it says peace and love from Ryan. Uh, well, you think it over, man. You let us know. And also, like we have to edit all these all the time, so that's yeah. not a pro- the the point of the metal tales is for you to tell your story. So I I don't care about a stuttering issue. I can edit around it. True. Um, the deal with the metal tales is we kind of just been doing like cattle calls, like. Hey, I've got a free hour. Who's available to do a metal right, tale? So yeah. it's kind of a um, whoever is whoever responds to that. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. just got it got especially when the boys were touring in in Europe and other parts of the world. It got so hard to like schedule. Yes, absolutely. And we've done like a hundred of them. Yeah, um, we've done more than any other podcast in terms of doing that alongside normal episodes. So the only way for it to make sense for us for now to move forward with our time is we just kind of hop on and say, hey, who can do a Metal Tales? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So just pay attention to your emails. There you go. All right, next up, Sam Colgrove. Hi, Clint and Ethan. My name is Sam. I live in Kent, Ohio. I've been a fan of your show for almost two years. I, of course, love Metallica, but more importantly, a big aspect of why I love your show is because I get to get some insights on what it's like to be professional musicians. I'm in somewhat of a really deep hole right now. I was on the course of flunking college after going for two years and decided to just let it go and pursue music. I've been playing bass for almost 11 years, and I'd like to think I'm very good at it. I play in a 90s-styled alternative rock band, and at the same time also play in an instrumental fusion band. I spent some time in professional studios, and honestly, it was some of the worst experiences I've had playing music. I never learned how to read music or understand music theory. I've done everything by ear and by watching other people play. I'm 22, and right now looking at looking for a career to finally settle on. My heart is 100% in music, but I'm not sure even how to get a viable foot in the door in this day and age. I'm not sure how unfair it is to say, but I feel like people 20 or 30 years ago were able to get their foot in the door easier, and in some cases stay in that door, or now maybe it's much harder. Everyone I know that is in any kind of music business either had rich parents or has some kind of charismatic electric energy to them. I struggle with this. I'm very stoic and monotone, so it's really hard to get people on the same page as me. I love all kinds of music and would love nothing more to make a career, make that a career. Is there any piece of advice specific or vague you guys could give me by the way i really wish the beanstalk parable would happen already so i can quit paying taxes <laughs> and have a justified existential meltdown thanks for reading my email hope you guys have a great day ethan telepathically channels these electronic letters into his brain and also have a great day peace <laughs> sam colgrove i think the first thing to talk about is um the amount of wealth that you and i came from <laughs> um which is what got our foot in the door with well he's also saying maybe 20 years ago it was different I mean, it does kind of seem like you almost have to be a little bit of a rich kid to eke it out. I guess because I guess what you were intimating just now and what is true is 
we had to just work jobs and yeah we we, were, we had to take our pa- our hundred percent passion for music and slog through this other shit mm-hmm. and and keep that fire alive right to pay bills and to move forward and i mean it, that's still the case sometimes you know like shit a couple of years ago like in between touring i was driving uber right you know what i mean like it, it's still a thing we've talked about this a lot i think where it's like you have to fund your life in order to you know to pursue your passion right and sometimes that may never never may never become your job right that's one thing you have to accept i think you know I, i've t- told that to a lot of people where it's like it may not happen like it doesn't mean you can't play music and you can't go play around town and play with your friends that's there's a ton of joy in that um and satisfaction but um as far as far as making a career out of it yeah, i mean it's hard yeah you know i mean i just you know i didn't know anything else but to play in bands with my friends and go play around town and you know, start figuring out ways to record. You play a bunch of local shows and save up $400 to record the local studio to get your demo and all that stuff. But playing live is just the, you know, that's the best experience you can get. Well, let me, instead of telling him it might not happen, let me, let me, let me be on the other side. <laughs> I'm of that trying point. to be encouraging. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here's the deal, Sam. You're 22. You're young. Here's, here's this really practical advice. Sure. Do not get married right now. Just, it's going to be harder to do this if you get married and have kids. Right. Period. Period. Um, so maybe avoid that while you can. While you can. If he was married, I wouldn't say get divorced. But you're young. It's like going to war. Like, in fact, <laughs> someone we both know who I can't say uh, texted me yesterday looking for a musician. Yeah. And they were kind of asking what their deal is. And they're like, well, how old are they? What's their availability? And I said, they're this age. They're great hang. Great musician. No wife. No kids. And they wrote back sweet perfect because right. it's you don't have anything else that's you're going to be able to commit to it 100 mm-hmm. yeah for so, sure okay so no wife no kids now if you find true love if you climb a beanstalk and your true love's up there all right marry her. <laughs> there you go but there's lots of people to fall in love with you got your whole life ahead of you sure i got married at 22 it was a mistake yeah probably shouldn't have yeah i did i'm happy with my life it led me where I am now, and I like my life. Yeah, I'm sitting in a room surrounded by fucking cassette tapes on my wall. What's what could be wrong? <laughs> yeah, what's what's to complain about? The other thing you got to do is keep your overhead real low, mm-hmm. live very cheaply. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I first moved to town, I was like, if I could just make twenty thousand dollars a year playing music, be amazing. That would be like heaven, dude. I, I mean, when I first moved to Nashville, I mean, this is a time when Nashville was very cheap. Yeah, very cheap. Uh, in in the band I was in, I was making forty thousand dollars a year, and I was like. I, I felt like I was rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and my 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 rent was three hundred dollars. Right. I I didn't have a car payment. I had a flip phone that was like forty bucks a month. And aside from food, those were my bills. I mean, and in, in, in a lot of different kinds of measurements, you were rich. I mean, that's sure to me. To me, making twenty grand and not having to work at Home Depot. Yeah. I mean, we lived in a six hundred square foot, five hundred dollar duplex apartment. Isabel worked at Virago, which is a sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. I was touring in rock bands. We just went to the YMCA every day. Yeah. We didn't have a TV. We didn't have shit. Yeah. And we often are like, those were some of the happiest years of our lives. Absolutely, man. Um, all right. So keep your overhead low. Diversify your talents. You say you're a great bass player. Awesome. You're going to need to do more than that. My advice, learn how to record yourself, mm-hmm. learn microphones, learn engineering. If there's a local studio in your community, maybe go see if you can like be an engineer or intern as an engineer. Yeah. Learn multiple styles of music. Go meet the producer. But the producers that live in your community, go see live music, become friends with those people. I get that you're stoic, that you have kind of a monotone, but it sounds like there's more to you than that. Mm-hmm. You got to let people know and uh, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, but you can't do it without help from people in your community. Also, I don't know where you live, 
but oh kent ohio i would maybe move to cincinnati i yeah. would maybe move to or the closest bigger city columbus uh, cleveland whatever maybe not cleveland <laughs> well cleveland rocks cleveland does kind of rock I do but like does cleveland. anyone want uh, it's fine it's I, I, I don't i'm not saying i would live there but I, I would live in columbus that's a great town for music um if i if i really if i great venues there um I don't know. If I, if I really wanted to make music, but I didn't want to leave Ohio, I would move to the biggest city in Ohio, which is Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, or at least you're, you know, a few hours from like other cool cities that have cool music scenes like exactly. Louisville or Nashville. Exactly. Yeah. Cleveland's kind of like tucked up far away. It's up in the Northeast, yeah. Um, really, I would suggest moving to Nashville, Austin, LA, or New York. I mean, that's where the action is. Chicago, maybe. Chicago, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I hope that was helpful, dude. Hang in there and believe in yourself and just don't get married or have kids. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, next email is from Lou uh, uh, Delia. Uh, he says, Clint, I'm totally down. To, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit. I'm totally down because you heard the song last week, everybody. Yeah. He says, I'm totally down for Hack the Planet Kickstarter. Gotcha, which is the song we played at the end of the episode last week. Rips. You guys did an amazing job. Also, maybe if I was single, I'd climb the beanstalk. But with a wife, two kids, a mortgage, there's no way I'm going up there. <laughs> Thank you for all the amazing content. Metal up. Lou from New Jersey. Because this, this is what you have to imagine. <clears throat> and that's correct. You can't go up there if you have people who depend on you. Because, right. because it's not like it's a carnival ride where they're like, who step up, right? Who's next on the beanstalk? Yeah. I'm talking the net. You get the magic beans. You toss them in your backyard. You're mm -hmm. having a beer in your backyard. You're like, these aren't magic beans. I got ripped off. The next day, there is a beanstalk. Right, yeah. Do you climb it? No one else really knows. See, I think I, I, I'm kind of down with, with what Lou says. I mean, if I, if I could get over my fear of crazy heights, then I, I was single. Maybe I'd climb it. Yeah, if you kind of had nothing else. Yeah. If there was nothing else, then sure. Yeah, I don't know. But um, all right, here's the deal with the, the yeah, gotcha. Yeah, let's talk about which, this. Thank you, Lou. And we got a lot of good feedback over on the, the Patreon. Because the song rips. Lou's right. And I got the I got Going Supernova last night too. Awesome. So here's the first change. I think the album's gonna be called Going Supernova instead of Hack the Planet. Okay. But there is a killer song on the album called Hack the Planet. There you go. Which is about having a panic attack on a plane, which is where I tend to have my panic hey. attacks. I've had those many times. So I've decided to do a Kickstarter. I've found a company that can press the vinyl within 10 weeks. And uh it's just currently everything's been written and recorded. It's just current I need a, if I'm paying for the mixing and mastering myself, it's just slower. Mm -hmm. I have to just right. do it in increments. So the other cool thing is with the Kickstarter, I'm releasing an EP of kind of more acoustic-y, not rock songs mm -hmm. called Great White Light that our friend Nathan Thomas is mixing. Oh, cool. He's, so he's currently mixing that. Awesome. Two different people are mixing Going Supernova. The Kickstarter is going to launch probably within a week of you hearing this. And uh, that's kind of where all that's at. That's amazing, yeah. Um, well, and the record is just a straight-up rock and roll album. It's, it's awesome. It's like Queens of the Stone Age meets um, meets Monster Magnet, meets who knows. I hear some All Them Witches in there a little bit. Yeah, there's some All Them Witches Some of that there. stoner stuff. Yeah, the stoner rock. Um, well, I know I gushed about it last Kais. week, but um, man, you guys are in for a treat with a lot of these songs. It's, it really kicks ass, so. And, you know, <clears throat> and honestly, like, I'm just a guy that I play guitar for Morgan Wade and I have a family and I, I write my little songies. I don't, you know, I don't tour. I don't really have fans. Mm -hmm. So you guys out there are like really my only way to make, to make this art. Yeah, exactly. And, and to disseminate it into that's the, the world. I mean, that's the same with me, me doing my solo stuff too. Yeah. Like I don't tour it. So, and so like, I, I really appreciate and need everyone's support for that. Mm -hmm. And you're basically either getting a digital download of the record. You're going to get the great white light EP as soon as it's done. It's a good title, by the way. Uh, thank you. It's one of the songs on the album. Love it. Um, and uh, if you want the vinyl, that's all going to be available. I'm going to make 200 of them. And then kind of like the Lunar Satan Project, once they're gone, they're gone. It's just, it's a mm -hmm. very unique 
cool project. It fucking rocks. You're a part of it. Yeah. It feels very podcast centric. Yeah, for sure. Paul Moak's mixing it. So he's one of the mixers. So um, Brad Lyons is mixing the other half of it, which awesome. is pretty exciting. Very so cool. that's uh, going supernova. So thank you to everyone for Love the it. nice words. All right. Hale Marie Berg writes in and says, Halias, a Norwegian greeting for you there. She says, it's time for the annual praise. I love you. You're awesome, clever, witty, funny, thoughtful, insightful, empathic, and smart. You make me smile when life sucks and to continue smiling when life is perfect. See, this is a little poem right here. I mean, it's just a little poem about us that I like. It's no big deal. I might cut this out and frame it. <laughs> put it on my, put it on my desk. see that your wife's like, what is that? You're like, it's just a nice thing someone said about me yeah. on my podcast. Yeah, no big deal. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Uh, she says, I've enjoyed the last shows and I'm generally in a period where I listen a lot, both to the newest episodes and to older ones. I normally go a month or two without, then jump back. She says, over to the Beanstalk talk. I've got 99 problems, and a Beanstalk wasn't one until it became so some weeks ago. I'm going to be honest here. I'm not really sure what I would do. Or actually, I would definitely climb it. Why assume it leads up to giants? Yes, I'm familiar with the fairy tale, but if we knew it would lead up to an evil giant's house, the only options to consider would be either to climb up, outmaneuver the giants, and get the treasure, or alternatively, pay someone else to do the job and offer them a golden coin or 10 from the treasure. See, people would be bidding on, they're like, well, I'll slay the giant, yeah. but for a handsome reward. It's like when the in the movie Armageddon, mm -hmm. remember Armageddon? Oh, yeah. Don't want to close my exactly. eyes. The reward they wanted for blowing up this damn thing is they didn't want to ever pay taxes again. Yeah. That's what someone would do. They, they would be like a mercenary for hire. would be like, I, you know, I'll never pay taxes again, but I'll slay the giant. <laughs> Perhaps I'll die doing it. Yeah. I don't know why he's from medieval British. <laughs> he kind of should be. I'll never pay taxes again, yes. I'm from Kent, Ohio. <laughs> well, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> but yes, I'll slay your giant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the one to slay the giant, then after he slays... Two things must occur post-slaying the giant. First of all, I will now henceforth be referred to as Giant Slayer. <laughs> Secondly, I'll never, shall never pay taxes again. <laughs> and then he walks away going, good day, sir. Good day, good day sir. <laughs> uh, she says, however, if we didn't know what was waiting up there, I would just assume it was something good and exciting. That normally does more good for me than being suspicious and untrusting. I'm crossing my fingers for John Lennon and George Harrison. In any case, I don't think I would flip out thinking that the world as I know it was over. I would think science also this time would be able to answer the mystery, although not immediately as it has done to many others already. Beatles is Earth. Halei Marie. I love that sign-off, by the way. Beatles well, is Earth. I don't know if she's heard me say that on the podcast, but I have actually I've actually used that phrase before where people say, like, what's your top five? I'm like, the Beatles don't count. The Beatles are like the wind and the air mm -hmm. and the earth. They're like an element that you can't they're the oxygen we're using to even have the conversation. They're all the all the elements. So if I put Metallica at number one or Pearl Jam or something, Radiohead tool. I'm not mentioning the Beatles because they are Earth. They, they hover above the top five. They're all, everything. Yeah. To me. Beatles is Earth. All right. Thank you, Hilaire. Our last this email is from Peter McLennan, which is a new patron, by the way, as Mr. Popper. All right, Peter. Thank you. He says, what's up, brothers? Good day. How do? How do? How do? I finally taken the, pat uh, the pat Patreon plunge about six months after listening. Th uh, there's a lot here. So buckle up and apologies. Don't you dare apologize, Don't you Peter. dare apologize. Just stop it. I did pull out a couple of things because it was quite long and we have some stuff to listen to. But, okay, um, cool. Anyways, he said, something I've appreciated about the approach you two take to discussing music is a focus on the songs. Um, like you guys, I'm not a huge metalhead. My top five bands in no particular order are Metallica, R.E.M., Social Distortion, and The Mountain Goats. Uh, and a rotating slot, variously switching between War on Drugs, um, 
Always. Always or always. Hmm. Always. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nice. Uh, Ghost, Sabaton, and Tool. Um, and have been uh, have been long confused about why I'm so drawn to Metallica, but not many other metal bands. The notion that perhaps th- their songs just uh, might be a bit better than all the others has helped me think differently about my connection to the Metallica boys. Still, I was wondering if you might help me understand exactly what you mean uh, when you say the songs are better. That is, as musicians, uh, what you think about a song makes it kick ass. Hmm. All the best, Peter. Okay. Um, so... Uh, take a, a, a song like Holy Wars by Megadeth, right? Okay. It's a thrasher. It's a ripper. Great solos. Um, some cool melodies in there. Um, a lot harder to sit down on acoustic guitar and just kind of play that. Sure. As opposed to The Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, or even some of their thrashy stuff. Or even, you know, you did a great version of Motor Breath. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a lot of elements to whether it's it's lyrics, melody, um, phrasing all that stuff uh, that make it a good song. Um, the the subject matter. I'm tempted to say that I don't like Holy Wars because it's really hard to get past Dave Mustaine's voice, but I immediately don't feel that way because some of my favorite singers, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Tom Waits, mm-hmm. Jeff Tweedy, uh, don't have traditionally croony, beautiful voices. Right. They're not all. No one. No. Not everyone can be Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. I mean, it's like what you said. It's a combination of of. And I think also Megadeth lyrics are pretty rough. Yeah. I think it's lyric, melody, and music, the way it makes you feel. You could kind of analyze it, and we could do that for a long time. Sure. So there's that side of it. Then there's also just the, like, how does it make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, or even takes, you know, Slayer, for example. It's a lot of just yelling and stuff like that. There is some melody here and there, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think a good sign of a, a great song is being able to listen to it over and over and over again. I do okay. Here's some hot takes. Okay, because I was you made me think about Slayer. Slayer wins in the like sheer power department. Yeah, they win that for sure. They pummel you, and they're very much them. Like they win originality points because they are who they are. Mm-hmm. They do not compromise. Nope. Awesome. Great. I don't think they have a single great song. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the if you could, Rain and Blood is or a couple I would say of songs. The, the song Seasons in the Abyss. Okay, off that record. Is the most melodic thing I could think of on a Slayer record, and I, now I'm not a, a, a deep diver on a lot of their stuff, so I could be incorrect on that. Because another band that's pummeling, uncompromising is Pantera, and they have about 30 great songs. That's the thing, but but Phil could actually you know sing great melody. He was a great singer and great screamer. Singer. You know, Cemetery I mean, Cemetery Gates, yeah. Cemetery Gates is just straight up a great song. The, 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 this love, those verses are great. I mean, they have so a new level walk, yeah, uh, shedding skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could revolution is my name. Yeah, goddamn electric. Yesterday don't mean shit. I could, I could name probably twenty or thirty great Pantera songs. Yeah, um, but with Metallica, it's it I mean they just have undeniably good songs that 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 will stand the test of time longer than you know War Ensemble. And they're songs that transcend the genre. That's yep. actually what it is. That's actually what it is. You're right. If you are a thrash metalhead, you like Holy Wars. You like War Ensemble. You like rain and blood. You like caught in a mosh. Yeah, you like all that because it's 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 more about it's more of the idea of metal. You are beholden to a genre of music and the and, and the feel of metal. And those you know? and those bands, the the big four, appropriately titled, they're the best of those bands. Mm-hmm. But none of those records, in my opinion, or songs, transcend thrash metal. Yeah, except for Metallica songs. Yeah, that's but, just. 
Fade to Black transcends 1984. Yeah, Nothing Else Matters does. Unforgiven does. And the, I mean, but you're talking Black Album. I'm, I'm saying if we even just keep it in the 80s. Oh, yeah, even in the 80s, yeah. Like the song One transcends Thrash Metal. Yeah, Sanitarium does, I think. Um, and we're doing kind of name the ballads, but even a song like Creeping Death, I think, transcends metal. Yeah. From, uh, from the, 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 song, the song Master of Puppets. Yes. It just transcends its genre. It does, for sure. It defined it, and it transcended it. And and I think I think that's the best answer to the question is is d- does whatever metal band does, does their music or any of their songs transcend the genre? Yeah, and and I and so when he talks about liking eclectic music the way you and I do, he mentions the Chili Peps, mm-hmm. he mentions Tool, he mentions Ghost, he mentions the Mountain Goats. I don't know if that's true for every band. Like I don't know if Red Hot Chili Peppers transcend their genre. This kind of funk rock thing. They just kind of do it well. And they're consistently fun and good. And yeah. they always had a sense of humor. And dude, the fucking I don't care who's on guitar. If you've got that drummer, Chad, Chad Smith, Chad Smith and Flea, yeah. like in the backbeat, it's gonna be funky and fucking sick, dude. Yeah. I, I watched them just recently do give it away with George Clinton. Yeah. But before they get into it, it's just Flea and Chad, Chad kind of grooving. It's as good and tight and funky and pocketed as anything. Did I, I watched uh, one of the performances of one of the new songs on Stern? They just did like in the last mm-hmm. week. Oh, I'm gonna watch that, dude. Immediately today. I, I was just I was fixated on Chad and Flea. I mean, I, I'm a huge John Frusciante fan. I think he's such a he's. I, I think he's like this magic piece of that puzzle. That when those four dudes get together, like you get a record like this new one, um, Unlimited Love. But man, watching Chad Smith have hard hits. Like I'm a hard hitting drummer, so I really resonate with him. And then I like I looked him up. I'm like, I think he's he's got to be like in his mid fifties, right? He's sixty. Hmm. Just yeah. watch a sixty year old man beat the fuck out of the drums like he does, and how talented. He, I mean, he, his feels amazing. Like that dude is a monster. Uh, maybe I don't know enough about the Chili Peppers, but I feel like he John Frusciante is not as consequential as people make him out to be. First of all, they have albums without him that are that sound like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They do, they do. And I don't, I I don't ever think of their guitar playing ever. Really, it's just not a. It's you know what? In fact, when I think about their guitar playing, I think of kind of like Finn. I hear that. Yeah, it just none of the guitars speak to me. Well, I'm curious. They're, to, they're good for the band. Sure, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the new record when you burn it down front to back. Sure, like I think there's a lot of really great guitar stuff on this record that's not that. Cool. There is some of that, but there's all he. I don't know. I think he. I like that that song all around the world. We can make time. Yeah. That burpy 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 is like the sound of that song. It's yeah. awesome, but as a guitar player, it doesn't speak to me the way you know, Queens of the Stone Age does. Sure, where you're like you hear Josh Homme do shit, and you're like what? Like Jack White, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think there's some great guitar work on this new record. Cool. So I hope you dig it. Well, um, I don't know if we answer the question about what makes a great song, but I know I know in metal, I know the reason that Metallica stands above way above if they define their genres, they always challenge the genre mm-hmm. and they transcend it. Yep. I, I mean, I, I can't think of a better way to, uh, to answer that. And they upset people all on the way. And most great artists do that, dude. Mm-hmm. Prince did that. The Beatles did that for sure. Yeah. Dylan did it for sure. U2 has done that. Yeah. Madonna fucking did that. Yeah. You know, that's what great artists do. That's what they do, yeah. Metallica is truly imbued with like a, a capital G greatness to me. Yeah. In a way that even Pantera isn't. Mm-hmm. For sure. I was going to pick on Megadeth, but I I decided not to. <laughs> okay. I, I picked another great band that I love, right? But that capital G. And maybe it's because they flamed out in 10 years. Yeah. I know that they had a, a life before Cowboys from Hell, but I kind of start them at Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, well, the stuff before that was like real like high-pitched screen. Cowboys scene. from Hell is like, what, 89 to uh, the, uh, Reinventing the Steel, which is like 2001. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you got about a 12-year yeah. period, and they kind of 
Man, burned out. The you records know? they put out in those 12 years are pretty damn good, though. I mean, they're as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vulgar Display of Power and I was, uh, Reinventing the Steel. Well, and, and, uh, Far Beyond Driven. Far Beyond Driven's awesome. Great Southern Trend Killed. I mean, they really made like four or five albums. Yeah. So good. And to me, the Vulgar Display is like their masterpiece. Oh, it absolutely is. 100%. I just can't think of another band that really, like Chaos AD or Roots by Sepultura comes close. Yeah, for sure. But they don't hit the way Vulgar Display did. No. I think Tools, Tools Enema, but is that really a metal? I mean, there's metal elements to it. Facelift. Is Facelift metal? I don't know if you can call Facelift metal. It leans in that direction for sure. What else is going on in the nineties? I mean, I'm sure there's tons of bands, but I mean, a lot of, but a lot of, a lot of the metal bands, you know, they, they you know, went, you know, less thrashy, obviously, like Megadeth, yeah. for instance, did and, Counted and Slayer did kind of too. They did for like I think one or two records. When Di- Diabolus but, and Musica. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like still hard hitting metal bands, I mean, Pantera, I think would be like one of the top ones. Well, I was bands. reading Rex Brown uh, just recently. I don't remember why I was reading this, but. Um, he was like, when we heard the Black Album, we interpreted that as Metallica basically giving up the throne of heaviness. <laughs> right. You know, they, Metallica got a lot of shit even from their peers, not, sure. not just the, the the trues. And they were like, so we made Vulgar Display of Power to basically say, well, if you guys don't want the crown, we'll fucking take it. Yeah. And of course, Metallica's going, you can have it. It's a crown of shit. We don't care. Yeah. We made this. Yeah, we made the crown. And we're going to keep moving on. You guys are going to keep making Pantera albums. We're going to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. At the cost of whatever, like our fans or whatever. Yeah, for That's sure. That's what artists do. Yeah, absolutely. So every great artist evolves. Yeah, you have to. You have you to evolve or you die. Or or you're a very very rare exception. The Ramones, you know, being one of them. ACDC. ACDC. Okay, the, we that, got two. That's exactly. We got it, two out of the last sixty years. Very rare that you can never change your style and still have people be excited about you or sell out stadiums or arenas. And stuff I'll like that. I'll leave you with two quotes that solidify this point before we move on. Okay. One is from Mr. Thomas Petty, who said, if you don't run, you rust. Mm. I like that. Love that. Number two is from Bob Dylan, who said, he who is not busy being born is busy dying. Yeah. Meaning, get reborn, reinvent yourself, Mm -hmm. because if you're not doing that, you're stuck. Yeah. You're rusting. You're dying. Hey, everyone. Clinton Ethan here, and we want to tell you about a little thing called Patreon. Patreon is an easy and interactive way to support the people who make the things that you love. For as little as five bucks a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast can continue to grow in quality and content. That's equivalent to a cup of coffee or a beer once a month. Not only is it easy and affordable, but we've made it a priority since day one to give back to our Patreon community. We've given away deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, black and whiskey, concert tickets to SM2 and Slang Castle, all four of our Cover Our World Black and EPs, 26 quarantine covers, and Lunar Satan demos, invitations to exclusive Zoom happy hours, the ability to ask our guests like Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, Lizzie Hale, and members of the Metallica crew your very own questions, and eligibility for our Metal Tale series where you can be a guest on Metal Up Your Podcast and tell us all about a notable Metallica show you've been to. Subscribe to Patreon today and immediately get access to years worth of bonus content. Thank you for supporting the people who make the things that you love. Peace. Adios. I can't talk about it anymore. It's giving me a headache. Here, take two of these. Ah, new print. Little, yellow, different.
All right. Well, let's get into this shit. So yeah, let's go. You've got some notes here. Thank you for putting these together. Sure thing. By the way. Yeah, just some simple stuff, just to uh, just to kind of you know set up. And we all have heard about the Bridge School benefit, obviously. But what is it? Let's let's, let's let the good people well, know I what will it actually tell you is. What it is. Thank you for asking. Um, so it's organized originally organized by uh, musicians Neil Young and Peggy Young. Uh, the Bridge School Benefit Concert is an annual all acoustic nonprofit charity event held every October at Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California. Uh, all proceeds directly benefit the operations of the Bridge School. And what the Bridge School is, you ask. Um, the Bridge School is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to ensure that individuals with severe speech and physical impairments achieve full participation in their uh, communities through the use of augmentative and alternative means of communication and assistance technology applications and through the development, uh, implementation, and uh, uh, dissemination of innovative lifelong educational strategies. So Neil Young has a son who is like severely disabled. Yes. And like can't speak or anything. Mm -hmm. So he... He did this basically for his son, yeah, which like, is really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, but it's pretty cool. It's been it's been going on since October 13th, 1986. Right. Check out the first year lineup. Crosby Stills, Nash and Young, Nils Lofgren. I don't know who that is. Is that um He was a guitar player. He he well, first of all, he played piano on Neil Young's After the Gold Rush. But he's uh, a okay, he's okay. a famous guitar player. He played in the East he's in the East Street band. Oh, now. that's right, that's right, that's right. Nils, of course. But check this out. So there's a record called After the Gold Rush. It's Neil Young's third album mm -hmm, from I've got the seventies. And Neil Young or Nils Lofgren was hired to play guitar on it because that's what he, it'd be like me or you showing up at Paul's. Yeah. And Neil was like, hey, I want you to play piano on this album. And Nils was like, I don't know how to play piano. Crazy. And of course, Neil Young's like, that's why you're playing piano. Wow. The piano playing is kind of elementary, but beautiful. Cool. That's awesome. It'd be like me and you showing up at Paul's like, I want you to play sitar on this whole thing. You're like, uh, okay. Like, I don't know the chords. I don't know how. Yeah. This, and by the time Neil Young, by the time after the Gold Rush came out, Neil Young was a guy. Yeah. He'd already made his first record, then everybody knows this nowhere, and he was in Buffalo Springfield. He was right. an, it wasn't some it was a record a lot of people were gonna hear. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Sold millions of copies. Yeah. I have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> you bought one of them, huh? I have one of them, yeah. Uh also Don Henley, Tom Petty, Robin Williams, and Bruce Springsteen. Dude, I, well, I looked at all the lineups. So basically it, it went from I think they they did eighty six, then they skipped eighty seven, mm -hmm. and then they went on through twenty sixteen. The lineups at a lot of them are fucking stacked. And Dave Matthews did a lot of them. He didn't, yeah. They're very Pearl stacked. Jam has done a lot of them. Pearl Jam has, yeah. In fact, Eddie Vedder was going to do one of them with it was going to be Eddie Vedder solo. But this is before, now it now everybody kind of accepts that Eddie Vedder has a solo career. Yeah, he just put out an album. By the way, pretty good. It's good. Yeah, Earthling. I like it. But it, I think maybe like six or seven years ago, he did one where he was supposed to do. He had a band with Flea and Chad Smith. It's so cool. Which Chad Smith's in his touring band now. It's all yeah. It's rad. I've watched a bunch of videos. But on. it's not Flea, right? No, that not plays Flea. Bass. No, uh, I think it's uh, what's his name from Jane's Addiction. Um, uh, shit. Flea. Flea. It's Flea. <laughs> I don't know who uh, that is. Eric something. I can't is remember his Flea name. Is it Flea the bass player in James Addiction when he's available? Uh, I think he has I think he has filled in maybe. I think he plays bass in James Addiction. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a huge James Addiction Me guy. Me neither. So. Me neither. Um, but yeah, the lineups have been crazy. I mean, obviously it's Neil Young. So Yeah. Anyone's... And it's for a good cause. So when Neil Young comes knocking, you, you, you go. Sir, yes, sir. Now, here's a question I have for you that okay. I don't know the answer to, but I was thinking about it today. When a band like Metallica agrees to do a charity event, does that? And so the the idea is, a lot of people are going to come to the charity event because one of their favorite bands is Metallica. Sure, all proceeds go to the Bridge School for obviously, as you just read, for like kids that have severe speech and physical impairments. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that they pay Metallica? They pay these bands. Maybe they don't pay their million dollar thing. Sure, but they got to make something because the band's got to pay. The crew travel at, at a at a certain point. A band that big, it's going to cost them money to play a gig. Yeah, they got to yes. pay their crew. 
and all the travel expenses. Yeah. Um, so are they saying all the ticket, but, but the ticket sales are high because it's A, it's a charity, B, your favorite bands are there. Metallica's right. there. Bruce Springsteen's there. So do they make it worthwhile for the artists, but then every bit of money they make from like concessions, merch, ticket sales goes to charity? Or does Metallica go, it's a good cause. We're, we could bring a lot of people to this. It's Neil. Um, we'll just pay our crew out of our pockets and we'll come do the gig. See, I feel like I feel like they would do that, you know, because you know they're a very giving band. And, and I think it's basically a free gig. I think it really I would imagine is a free it would be, gig. Yeah. Um, I did read somewhere that like that like there's like these crazy expensive seats that are like on the floor or whatever, like closest to the stage. Like they sell them for a crazy amount of money, and just those seats alone will generate like a million dollars. Right, it's pretty nuts. Um. Yeah, I would guess that you know they would probably just do it for free. I mean, it's like acoustic, so it's not like they're you know bringing, bringing in like a full crew. But still, I mean, they have a full tune. At least the 2016 one, they had a tuning room. Yeah, I mean, you know Metallica, dude. They're not they're they're very casual and cool. Yeah, but you know they're not rolling without their without a crew. Probably a crew of like 20 people. Yeah. What did they do? Our friend Wes, who works for the band, when they did the Chris Cornell thing at the Forum, I think Wes was saying they took like half their crew to that. Yeah. Which, oh yeah. Which that was a big deal. Lots of huge acts, a weird rotating stage. Full it was band. at the forum. Yeah. It's full band. It's for Chris, but they took half their crew for that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you think about you know stuff like you know when I worked for Kings as a tech, it was like we would go to whatever and play a sh- uh, award show, play one song. Yeah, and there'd be twenty crew. It's just what you, I guess, you build that into the overhead of just your job. I mean, yeah, but for something like this benefit show for, for Bridge School, it's like I. F- I'd be surprised if they paid the bands anything, or or maybe they do cover like costs. I mean, it's got to at some point make sense, or maybe they they provide a lot of local crew. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but you know, they're not they're not going to not bring Chad. Obviously, you know, they're like techs and stuff like that, oh, yeah, front of house for and sure. Monitors. And they're stuff bringing like that. they're bringing a tour manager, probably all of their PAs. Yeah, a stage manager, production manager, uh, a production manager. They're bringing their guitar techs. Yeah, they're. I mean, that in of itself is fifteen people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know what the plus, answer plus you've is. got bus, plus you've got flights. They're probably, I guess, something like that. They'd fly the crew, no buses, so they're flying the crew in. Yeah. Well, someone's got to get the gear there, so maybe there, maybe someone does take a truck. Maybe yeah. like one semi. Yeah, I mean, for that, I mean, I don't know. They're they're, they're probably going to be traveling with the front of house console, a modern console, in your rig, and they're and they're AV shit. That's right. Yeah. Um. And then, I mean, gear-wise, it's only, you know, a drum kit and a couple acoustics. But, yeah. But still, there's stuff There's stuff that happens. There's people that get paid. So, um, so whether it comes from Metallica or the the Ritual Benefit Foundation, who knows? Um, I love this, by the way. So the lineup for this year, Neil Young, Tom Tom Waits, with the, wait for it, Kronos Quartet. I see Kronos. Kronos plays with Tom Waits. Uh, my maybe, maybe the medieval beanstalk guy who climbs the beanstalk. Maybe he's like... Hereforth, a few things will remain. I shall be referred to as the giant slayer, and you know, shall with gold paying my taxes. Of course. <laughs> Should I see Kronos? <laughs> <laughs> 
I shall make a bet with Father Time. I shall live forever. <laughs> I just love that, that he had the Kronos Quartet. It's amazing. He, yeah, he sure did. Uh, also, in my morning jacket, Tegan and Sarah, Jerry Lee Lewis, John Mayer, and Rebe- uh, Gina Spector. I mean, every every this is a great lineup. Every lineup I saw today, I would like to see. Yes, everyone. I mean, even Regina. You hip to Regina Spector piano? I know she is. I've I've never like dove into her records though. I'm not a huge fan, but like if I. If if I went to this, let's say I went to this because I was a Metallica fan, which I'm actually a Tom Waits fan and a Young fan, a My Morning Jacket fan, and a John Mayer fan. Yeah, but I'd be like, hell yeah, let's watch Regina Spector. I would sure. watch all of it. Sure, even if even I went to some benefit for one band, let's say Pearl Jam was playing something, and I I didn't really I wasn't you know a fan of the, all the other artists. I would still stick around for the whole thing. So they did it also in '97, the 18th and 19th. So that that fall they would have been doing the poor retouring me tour right yeah and this was basically the they did an acoustic set on that tour mm-hmm. it was awesome they played low man's lyric like 60 times so crazy which is that's a really insane deep cut yeah it is so they would come out and they had a they had a kind of a remember that thing we watched the reload rehearse yes thing on mtv right that's this too because yeah. they did helpless low man's lyric tuesday's gone poor twisted me which is awesome little treat mm-hmm. faded black four horsemen they did the kind of do a um a reworking of four horses. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, nothing else matters. Last caress. So uh, that is a set I would like to see. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You kidding me? Low man's lyric. I've never seen it live. So ten years later, this is what we got. They did a night one and a night two. We're going to watch night two. Yes, right? night two. So the only difference is it uh, is only happy when it rains and turn the page. Turn the page. Right. So are we ready to hop into it? I'm ready to hop in. All right. We have to literally hop. Is that cool? Yeah, hop, yeah. Hop, hop like a bunny. Let's do it. Woo, woo! Obligatory woos here at the top. Woo! Kronos. Hey, how you doing? I see Kronos. How about a big bridge welcome for Metallica? All right, Neil. Neil is a bad motherfucker. He really man. is, man. Like, he doesn't always rock. Sometimes he likes acoustic guitar. Sometimes sure. he likes a nice piano. But when he rocks... He's a badass. Dude, watch him take a fucking 10-minute solo on Like a Hurricane with yeah. his Les Paul. It's yeah. crazy. My first introduction to Neil Young... I mean, I heard my dad mention him, stuff like that. But it was when hey, Neil and Pearl Jam... Uh, yeah. did Rockin' in the Free World on the MTV Awards and I was like this is amazing I remember exactly where I was when yeah. that came on totally I, rem- awesome. I, I can remember exactly in my living room where I was yeah are we enjoying ourselves we are James okay we're Talica and we're here Talica we're Talica we're a good time the good time. Don't be afraid to sing if you know the song. So there's people it, sitting behind them on anyway. stage. I wonder if that's normal. I don't know. Oh, by the way, I meant to tell everyone you can watch it home. This is on YouTube. Yeah. And this is a. I just want to celebrate a cover by the band Rare Earth. Such an interesting choice. It is. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would love to talk to James about how they chose these songs. Right. I love that he's like holding his acoustic like it's a flying V. Yeah, he is. Is that that Line 6 acoustic that he likes? Uh, maybe so. Or is that like a Takamini? It looks like a Takamini. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Man, vocally pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that Lars is, he basically just has one less kick drum, tinier cymbals, and then playing with hot rods, which is like a bundle of sticks all taped together, essentially. Oh, James Solo. Oh, it's a James Solo. That was cool. Pretty good. Hell yeah. That was Kurt. Yeah. Let's <laughs> make some, some clam chatter over there. You just, I feel like in power acoustic, you don't have to take solos. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather have heard him not do that and just keep playing the meat yeah, and potato. I agree with you. Like we just did that acoustic show with Morgan. I wasn't taking solos. No. Meat and potatoes, dude. Maybe some little melody things here. Yeah, and there, I was doing some it. color. Sure. I'm not taking a fucking solo. Yeah. On the speaking of Pearl Jam Unplugged, when you watch it, when they're doing those like big solos to like even flow and alive, yeah. Mike and Stone are just laughing at each other. Yeah. They're like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah, that, it wasn't really written for that. Yeah. Are you out there? I really love Lars's snare sound on this. Pretty good little pocket right now. Yeah. What do you about that open hat? Would you keep that hat open like that? I guess you have to. Uh, on certain parts, it's yeah. loud. Yeah. Oh, Robin Kirk holding down those BGVs. Yeah. Lars is basically playing like bigger splashes. That's what those all are, splashes? Maybe not the one he's on right there, but they're, they're either, there are splashes on his kit there, but they're definitely smaller symbols than he normally uses. Another day, yes. Um, it is another good day. Interesting choice. Am- ambitious cover. Yeah. Very ambitious. It's fine with me. Yeah, he's got to do a guitar change right here. So this is a Shirley, so this is a shed. 
Yeah, this is, this is probably what twenty thousand people. Probably, yeah. Yeah, we do have some friends out there, don't we? That was him saying any Metallica fans out there. Right. It's got to be weird when you do these festivals and shit when you know that you know they're not all there to see really you necessarily. Yeah, for sure. And heavy. Imagine like the hardcore Metallica fans showing up, a not knowing the other, the, being fans of the artist, and not knowing it's acoustic. Yeah, they're like, uh, what oh, the heck happened? Here. Sorry, let me try to get rid of this ad real quick. All good. I ain't got them pop up blockers yet. I never learned how. So this is uh, "Please Don't Judas Me," which is a Nazareth cover. James doing a little percussion on the acoustic. Yeah, pretty cool. I'm the beanstalk now. <laughs> See what's above the clouds. Well, they call me the giant slayer. I won't pay taxes. <laughs> Please don't tax me no more. Or I climb the mighty beanstalk. Oh. Is that some 12 string slide? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. It's <laughs> he just sounds out of his, out of his element. For sure. I never liked those the look of those acoustics where like the sound hole is like not under the strings. Yeah, my friend Liz Longley plays one of those. What are those go are they called Godin? Godin, I think, yeah. Or Breedlove? Breedlove. They make weird stuff. Not, not, you know, some people might like them, but not a fan. Lars got some some blocks back there. <laughs> he got a wood block. He does. Another strange song. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know Nazareth stuff. I remember uh, the spaghetti incident. Remember the spaghetti incident? The Guns N' Roses. Yeah, they did uh, "Hair of the Dog." Now you're messing uh, with a son, son of a. Now you're messing with a son uh, of a bitch. Oh, that was Nazareth. Yeah. Are there other like big songs? I don't know. Do, do they have any? Uh, Someone right now is screaming at us like, of course they have other big hits. Are you kidding me? Oh, they did Love Hurts. Love Hurts. Love Strong. Dude, how about Metallica doing Love Hurts? That'd be sick. That'd be cool. James must really love this song. That, that's got to be what it, it is. It has to be, yeah. That's a baritone acoustic. Oh, yeah, nice. You hear how low it is? Yeah, it's pretty low. That's a baritone. Yeah. 
I highly recommend any guitar players getting a baritone, especially if you want to try to write some new shit. Or Baritones are so fun to play. You want to like overdub something? You just needed something weird or different. Baritones are great for like adding like a like an extra track to a chorus. Oh yeah. Well, they're great for that single note thing. Ga 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 ga. They're for great sure. for diamonds. Oh yeah. I, I love I love my baritone. You and I both have a Dan Electro. Yeah. This song is kind of a miss for me, man. It's it's, it, it's pretty boring. It's moody, which I like, but it never settles into something that's like singable. Yeah, it's a weird song. Yeah, and I don't I don't even know. Is he saying "Don't betray me"? I guess so. Yeah. Other than him saying "Please don't betray me," I have no sense of what else the song's about. No, it's it's. Oh, that's well, that's cool. That's fun. We spoke too soon. <laughs> I do think Lars should have gone more into like a hi-hat groove. Like, yeah, the song feels too loose or something. Yeah, and it, it, like it's yeah, totally. And it only is kind of hovering around those two chords. It just makes it kind of boring for me. And kind of a downer. Song number two. Yeah. Yeah. Don't climb the beanstalk, baby. Like, if you're in that crowd and you kind of like Metallica, but you're not there to see them, you're kind of watching that going, mm. I'd be like, when are we going to play a Metallica song? <laughs> you're just looking at your friends confused. I've been there. Everyone's been there. Sure. I remember the first, I saw Fastball at the 98 Horde Festival. And they didn't. They didn't play their two big songs till the end. Go figure. Right. There's kind of a lot of moments in that set. Looking at my buddies, like, is this good? Like, what is this? Right. Right. It's a long song too. For it's long. It's slow. You hear Kirk's BGBs? Yeah. Listen. <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis. Holy shit. Jerry Lee Lewis was old in 2007. He's still around, too. Man. See, now Lars is kind of... On the ride symbol, a little more groove. It just to needed it. a sixteenth note yeah. thing. I mean I think it's probably fun for them to choose some, you know, unique covers to do, but I don't know, I think it'd be a lot of you know they just played like the covers that people know that they've done. Well, I guess here's the deal, though. Like, you're going to play a free show for a benefit. You're going to come all the way out to Mountain View, California, whatever. You're like, well, we're going to play acoustic. We're going to do something. We're going to do some weird shit. Yeah. We play Creeping Death all the time. Right. So I, I get it. Yeah. I'm, it, exci- I'm excited for the next one, which is a Dire Straits cover, Brothers in Arms. But, which, by the way, must own album for vinyl. Oh, for sure. It's much. beautiful sounding. Great Dire Straits album. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> that guy that just yelled is the guy that's waiting for. What did he just yell? Metallica. <laughs> Play "Don't Judas Me Again." That was uh, uh, from a band called Nazareth. It's like okay, two people clap. The two members of Nazareth who were there. Right. <laughs> Drums. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's obviously it's very cash. Yeah. The whole situation, you know. Which is cool. I mean, that's a, mm. as it should be, you know. Right. Cash is the way to go. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, I'm gonna look this up while uh, we move, move along with, here. Uh, Lars and True over here. True. He called Trujillo a true. A true. It's because Trujillo only likes the first four albums, not because his name is Trujillo. That's right. We're about to get a crab walk. He was kind of in poison crab position. Yeah, he was. So, my, my this is not Dire Straits. This is uh, the Blue Oyster Cult tune. Oh, did I, oops, my bad. I'm so sorry. I, I accidentally skipped one. You are correct. Next is Dire Straits. I was like, this does not sound like <laughs> Brothers in Arms. So I was curious about, does every artist, are they required to do covers or whatever? So I just ran, I looked up a random year that Pearl Jam played, and they did they did two, uh, two covers. I don't think so, because the Dave Matthews ones are pretty popular. Just all his stuff. And they they either do Dave and Tim, or yeah. I mean, they do what they normally do. They probably do a cover or two. Yeah. I mean, Metallica's first year they only did two covers. Yeah. Or three. Tuesday's gone. Right. And this is how many? Four four covers. Four covers. Yeah, so it's yeah. half and half. Yeah. This song is pretty fucking cool. Man, I need to listen to Blue Wish Your Call. This is a lot cooler than the last tune, the Nazareth tune. But, yeah, besides Don't Fear the Reaper and, and Burning for You, I don't know a ton of Blue Wish Your Call. Astronomy. Astronomy, correct. Yeah, Killer song. Great song. And their version's really good. Yeah, the, it is. The, the OG version. Right, right. In fact, if you go, if you go like look at the comments, I mean, I know the comments are not a great place, but if you go look at the comments on Astronomy, most of the comments... I think Metallica's Astronomy is one of their best recordings. Yes. It is a great recording. It's awesome. A lot of the comments are like, Metallica's version is not as good as Blue Ocean Bulls. Yeah. It doesn't seem like typical Metallica hate. Right, it right. It seems like a lot of people really regard them. Or that song, at least. In the, yeah. I have the album it's from, but I, I, I will admit to you and our listeners, I have not checked it out. Yeah. All right, Kurt. Pretty clean. He's a little ahead of it. He's kind of on top of it. Yeah, he is. But playing very cleanly. Yeah. Sound like fucking Esteban over there. I was going to say Santana. (laughs) Esteban. Dude, when are you going to get an Esteban guitar? Well, I mean, it's only three payments of $99 or $33. (laughs) 
fucking Esteban, dude. With his I long mean, ass fingernails. I mean, he said it's as good as his 1940s Martin. He has no reason to lie to us about the quality of his shitty yeah, Esteban guitars. Exactly. I remember those commercials, infomercials. The, the the woman that was like the host. Her name was Rita, I think. And anytime she'd ask a question, you could, you could tell she had no, no idea about the guitar. Now, is, are, what kind of wood is that? He's, well, I'm glad you asked, Rita. Uh, it's so cheesy. This is actually isn't wood at all. This is particle board. I like this song way better than the Nazareth song. Yeah. I know why you do, by the way. Would you like me to tell you? Yes. Because it's good. It's a better song. That's the thing, too, man. Is like it's, it's all subjective, and people like different things, but I very much understand that. Yeah. There's also a sense to where you can kind of also tell if something's good or not. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And that was good. I was actually thinking about this this morning. And shorter. <laughs> Short's good. Yes. I was thinking about this this morning. Thank you. When one of the runs we were on last with the Morgan Wade band, I was listening to a Butterfly Boucher record. I don't know if you were had your headphones in or uh, something. I'm not sure. But me and Parker were both like, oh, Butterfly Boucher. A record from 2012 that's like, in 2012, I loved that record as much as any record. It was yeah. her new record. We listened to it, and I, it's funny that I was thinking about it today because this was like months ago. What did you say? It was not very good. Yeah, that sucks. I just kind of got 10 years down the road, and I was like, oh. Yeah. This actually isn't very Whatever good. It is. That's a bummer. And I wanted it to be good. Right. And there was a time when I thought it was good, but... But it's more of you evolving, probably, than... You just kind of... There's a sense to where you can kind of just tell if something's good or not. Or there's also records that like you liked when you were younger because it was that time. Yeah. There's stuff I'll go back and listen to. I'm like, why did I listen to that? That's not a good record or There's also records or album cuts or deep cuts that you don't like much at first, and then they become your favorite song. Yeah. That actually has happened to me a lot. For sure. So this is Dire Straits, Brother, There's an Arms. Are we sure this time? We've got an ad coming up, so I'm we not got an ad, fun. That. Vegas, baby. Uh, I guess they're going to put ads through this whole fucking thing. God damn it. Everything in the world's ads now. All right. Here we go. A little Dire Straits. This sounds like a fucking Pink Floyd song. What is that? Is it distortion on, one, on Kirk's guitar, maybe? Or James. Yeah, that was an interesting little interlude, wasn't it? Yeah. See, Lars needs to be keeping time on a hat. Yes. He, yeah. It's it's interesting the things they don't do. Just because they've always just been that band from El Cerrito in a garage. Yeah. That they never learn those things as a band. Or there's or there's times where he does keep time and it's not necessary. Really? Where he like live where he's just going, you know. Like Kirk was kind of set up to fail in that intro. Yeah. Trying to lock in with James hitting those diamonds. Right. If Lars just been on the hat or had a shaker, something. Even just keeping time with his foot on the hat. And I'm not trying to give the boys a hard time. It's, sure. It's hard to do what they're doing. They're not an yeah. acoustic band. Right, yeah. They're in their element in front of, you know, 20,000 people playing Creeping Death. Exactly. This ain't that. And I commend them for trying it. For sure, yeah. I wonder if that, that hardcore Metallica fan in the crowd is like, are they not going to play any Metallica songs? This is like Probably. the fourth cover. Probably. I would think that, maybe. 
I remember watching on TV, like like arranging my schedule, yeah, to watch the Metallica live at some New York club where they did the garaging. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where was that at? That was all cover, all cover set, right? So I didn't know that. I just knew it was being advertised as Metallica Live on VH1 or whatever the yeah, fuck yeah. it was. And uh, they come out and they start playing the die part of Creep. That's what's, It starts going, die. And then they go right into Die My Darling. Yeah. Which I was fine with. That's cool. And then every song after that, I kept waiting for them to play a Metallica song. Yeah, and all covers. And it was just all covers. Now I love that. Sure. But I remember by, I was by myself. I cleared my schedule. And I was fucking disappointed. You're like, damn it, what the hell is this? I was really disappointed. Yeah, I would be too. We should do a listen along to that gig, though. I would love to. But what's cool about it, you know, a, a situation like that where, like, you know, later on in life, you're way more excited about something like that, is that it, it, watching that on TV live or being there in person, you, you got to watch, like, a, a very, very rare Metallica show. Like, yeah, it was like, super cool. Like, have they ever done that before or since? You know, it's pretty cool. Lars with the wood block. <laughs> He's Click. digging that thing, isn't he? Called Metallica live covers. <laughs> live covers. I should have just known. The answer was right there in the title, and you're like, "Oh, I hope they play Creeping Death." Roseland Ballroom. Roseland Ballroom, nice. Which I've never played Roseland. I've done Roseland's. You and I've done Irving Plaza together, and Webster Hall, and Webster Hall, correct? Where they've played. I, I rocked my Webster Hall. There's a vinyl, yeah. Vinyl the other day. Yeah. There's something about like leads on an acoustic tone wise. It just sounds so direct. You know, it's just. In a dire straits now. Dude, put on Brothers in Arms when you get home. I love that record. I've got it. Yeah. I believe I have the cassette here somewhere. Check it out. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I've got Brothers uh, Brothers in Arms, uh, communi- Communique, and uh, the self titled just Dire Straits. This uh, that ever ha- that has money for nothing. 
Walk of Life. Walk of Life's great. So far away. The self-titled record is great. That one's, that's when I Sultan's a swing on it. Great song. Awesome song. Great guitar playing. He's a great guitar player. He's so good. Doesn't use a pick. He um. That's neither it. did Lindsey Buckingham. All right. The 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 girl. The, the chick in Fleetwood Mac. Uh, so I think we'll do some. We get into the, some. This band called Metallica uh, now. <laughs> some originals here. The true's like, dude, God, no, fucking fun. I was about to leave. Have you heard of them? Metallica. Metallica. Come to Brazil. They're playing Injustice for All. They are. <laughs> but not that one. All the truths. What the fuck, man? Dude, the intro to Justice would be nice at the British School Benefit. That would be cool. Okay. I actually don't know what song they're doing. Don't tell me. A 6 8 song? Oh, they're doing uh, Disposable Heroes. Uh, sorry, we got an ad. I got. Pardon me. Lame. So, that Disposable Heroes arrangement's been around since 2007. Yeah. Did not know that. That sounds heavy, even though it's acoustics. It's interesting they put it in 6 8. Yeah. Oh, little guitar harmony. Never hurt anyone. Never. I guess it's three, four. One, two, three, one, two, three, one. Yeah. James soloing. Love it. I mean, I kind of love it. It's on an acoustic, so. Long intro. Pretty long. Bodies fill the fields I see, hungry heroes and no one to play soldier now, no one to pretend. Such a cool choice to like make an acoustic version of. Pretty epic deep cut, yeah. Hell yeah. Hey. Barking of machine gun fight is nothing to me now. Sounding of the clock that takes you used to it somehow. Or a man will stop you where glory seeker trends. Bodies fill the fields I see the slaughter never ends. Tell me why. E flat. They're in E flat here? Yeah. I thought it was D. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds deeper. But that's yeah, E flat. Don't you know that I was born for dying? 
more Spanish style solo yeah. from Kurt. I mean, I feel like they sh they should have just ditched the solos at the intro and. Well, it's not even just Spanish. It's like Egyptian. Is it Phrygian? Yeah, whatever. It's it? one of those with a little pentatonic blues. Yeah. really cool when Rob starts doing it with him. Yeah. I was, I was just about to comment that Rob hasn't literally played anything different yet. Just droning that da, E flat. Da, 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 da. The lonely fist bumpers in the front row. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, man. Our heroes are disposable. <laughs> He's right, man. I love this part. Yeah. All right, I got another hot take. Okay. This doesn't really work for me either. It's it's like a novelty. It's it's like cool. This but, this song or just the whole thing? Oh, I mean the song is one of my favorites. Sure. But this version. Yeah. It's basically a completely different song. It is a different totally different song. Which is cool. It's ambitious. It's it's yes, a novelty. It's fun. Like I I would never listen to this in my car. It doesn't yeah. pass the car test for me. Does yeah. it pass the car test for you? No. No. Like what I, if there I, was a great recording of it? I'd have to hear it first, but it actually—it gets a little monotonous. It's kind of monotonous, yeah. Like here, it's kind of ch finally changed. There's only that bridge part that they—they they really change chords. Other than that, just drones on an E flat the whole time. And I like that it's finally settled into a groove. Like it's a lot of it has to, to me has to do with the drums too. He the whole time he's doing gecko, gecko, gecko. Exactly, it never settles into a thing. Yeah. I was actually thinking, what would you do to change? Like, I, I would do that same beat for the intro. And then what would you do in the verses? The verse, I would do something like this, but on hi-hat. On the hat instead of the ride. Yeah. So it would be halftime. It wouldn't be... Right, which would still work with that, with that rhythm. I just don't think it would have enough pace. Or maybe add some extra kicks in there. It would be like, goom, goom, go god. Goom, goom, go god. Goom, goom. It would be just like, it's a good cat. So it just had movement at least, you know? Or what if it was like, I, I think something like that could work, but only for like a, a certain part. I think you're right. I think the halftime vibe with a closed hat yeah. and a busy kick. Just that, that, that backbeat thing. It does feel like an intro or a turnaround. It feels intro, like a transition thing. Intro, turnaround, outro, that's it. Did you figure that one out? Yeah, we did, James. It's all disposable here. 
Struggle with it. What'd you say? One at a time. <laughs> oh, Papa Het. Making us laugh all these years later. Comedic gold. You like that arrangement? I think it's awesome. Sorry, James. Oh, we actually just had some comments on the drums and uh, Esteban. It is awesome. I mean, it's cool. That's super fun. It doesn't have a lot of like repeatability for me. It just kind of it it kind of hits cruising altitude. Doesn't go anywhere. Here's another one. That's my main complaint. But you can change with just even just the drums alone. He's climbing a beanstalk, he is. He's getting his guitar out, he is. Where Kirk go? He just climbed a magic beanstalk shit. Kirk, come back down, dude. Never done the beanstalk, Kirk. Let's finish the gig first, man. It's for the kids. Okay, so is this the debut of All Within My Hand? Or the debut was the night before? It would be the night before. So this is the second time they've ever played this. Yeah, this is all within my hands, right? Oh, yeah. God damn it, ads. ad motherfuckers! For anyone who synced theirs up at home, I apologize. I don't have an ad blocker because maybe, I'm not a, maybe not a fucking hacker. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie though. Great movie. Have you re- watched that recently? No. 1995. Go check it out, dude. I'm, I'm guessing some things are pretty dated, based off of. It's like, a movie about technology, so. Right. Well, yeah. That's I mean, Minority movie. Report seems kind of dated. That's true. <laughs> but it holds up, dude. Matthew Lillard, Angelina Jolie. Was, was Dan Aykroyd in that? No. No? What am no. I thinking of? it? Dan Aykroyd in some sort of computer movie? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd was in Tommy Boy. That's the computer movie I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> so this arrangement's been around since 07 as well. Now this, as a new arrangement of this song... Yeah, live debut. Was the day before, right? Day before, yeah. I'm just confirming. Now this version, home Love run. It. It's a home run. Yeah, it's great. They beat it. They beat their version. Which I mean, I don't know. Maybe the bar was a little low because of the recording and all yeah. that stuff. But the hardcore Metallica fan. Not only are they getting acoustic half covers, and they get a Saint Anger song. <laughs> Where's Avi Vinegar, man? Come on. Yeah, for real. I love this fist bumper down on the front row, dude. Yeah. They're just, they're feeling it. They're just so happy to be there. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it's for. Or who, I don't know who my dad is. I don't know where I'm going. But I like it. I don't know the old guy who plays all these. (laughs) Neil, Neil Jones or something. You know the road game that I play where you replace a band name with Meat? With meat? Okay. Have I ever played this game? I don't know if we have. Big road game. I've been playing it for like 20 years. Oh, wow. So you replace a band's name with like Metallica or Ham Halen. Oh, any kind of meat. Yeah. Oh, got it. And my big one with Neil Young, Veal Young. Veal Young. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Wow. And then the uh, the ones that are already built in, Wings. (laughs) (laughs) Wings is great. Fish. 
fish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good one. Yeah. Widespread hammock. Or, or haddock. Haddock. That's good. Widespread haddock. You're really good with the fish part of this. We said hammock. That was close. Cod smack. Cod smack. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I've never used that one before. You got any? Uh, I was trying to think one for Dave Matthews Band. But nothing. I that, mean, Dave Matthews Ham. Dave Matthews Ham. Ham Terra. Ham Terra. Ham's a, Ham's a good one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really good. Is that hat playing? That's it. Yeah, this really is such a better version than the original. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a novelty. It feels like a real thing. Yeah, for sure. Like that's something I say a lot when I'm writing with people is like when you're writing it you don't really know and then when you start demoing it like getting a vocal putting it together yeah. a thing I say a lot is like this sounds real yeah and the people I write with a lot know what I mean by that meaning like this sounds like a real song we birthed a song that could yeah. live like right you could play this in your car it doesn't sound forced it doesn't sound like we just wrote some bullshit. Now, sometimes we do, yeah. and I don't say anything because <laughs> right. I'm nice. Sure. And I, you know, I had a part in the bullshit too. Sure. I let the bullshit happen. Right. But it's exciting when it's starting to come together. You're like, this is a real song. Yeah. That's an ominous black truck that just pulled up to my house. Huh. I mean, are you like it's on the street? Yeah. Did you not just see it? Oh, there it is. Oh yeah, look at that. Is it still there? It just took off. Oh. There's I'll a, probably be murdered. There's later. a bunch of ninjas in the street now. That's that's, that's kind of. Oh no! Weird. I was expecting that. <laughs> that's a ninja truck. The ninjas come over for lunch every Thursday. That's wonderful. We compare ninja stars and smoke bombs. That's so and shit. cool. How about my wife just walking through? Because my poor wife is just podcast central over here, dude. Thank you very much. It's always well, some podcast. Well, it's, well, especially when we're I'm here too, when we start yelling things like Kronos oh, and, yeah. and Portal. And she's on a fucking <laughs> Zoom call. With I know. Her actual real job. <laughs> right. That I'll never have again. Yeah, they get a big blue ribbon for me on that. What the yeah. And then, of course, you, with S&M, with an orchestra, it just... Oh, magic, yeah. It's just fucking beautiful. Don't tell me what's next. Let me have something. Let me be surprised. Please, I won't tell you. Are you singing along with us? We're just singing. <laughs> They're singing Veal Young songs. They're singing Veal Young, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. This is on? This is on. First of all, Neil Young, no pedals. Here's what he has. He has a pedal board. Oh, no, yes. With, oh, hell yeah, I'm forgiven. With tubes that when he, and the tubes are connected to the knobs on his Fender amps. Yeah, it's And when it's he hits wild. the pedals, it physically turns the knobs uh, through some technology he invented it's a trip 
Uh, excuse me, stuff. there's an ad here. We love stuff. I it's hate really you. Eat shit. Sometimes I see commercials that they do that, and I'm like, I'll never buy this product ever. Yeah, be, just because of that one. I'm commercial. gonna punish them. Yeah. But he has one setting where he kind of goes off. Yeah. Where when he hits this button with pedal board, it turns every knob on his amp to ten. It dimes out <laughs> his whole amp. It sounds like the end of the world, dude. And it probably sounds awesome. It sounds like Neil. I love it. Yeah, he, he didn't get a lot of credit for like he, his he, electric playing. He can't. Honestly, I mean, man, he's me he does. he's in my top five guitar players because he can't shred. He's not Eddie, for sure. But he's creative, well, dude. You can first of all, he's lost in it. He's never looking at his hands. Yeah, and he can go for a long time and not run out of runway. Yeah, because he's just lyrical and it's always interesting. Yeah, and he can just go. I I, I love his guitar playing. I, I mean. When I learned about what you were talking about with, with the pedals that control the amp thing, I was just like, what? Yeah. It's a trip, man. It's like old school shit. Old yeah. school 70s shit. It really is. Where he was like, how do I get my, how do I turn my knobs for the solo? Yeah. So he built, it's like a lot of the shit he built for his son to, to communicate with him. Yeah. He built, like, he built this chain set where his son could communicate by pressing a red button. It's cool. And that's kind of how he communicated with his son. He wrote a whole album about it called Trans. Wow. It's really touching shit. That's awesome. But he's just like a... He just makes things. Yeah. I remember... Uh, my, if my, my doorknob broke right now, I couldn't fix it if my family's life depended on it. <laughs> like if someone handed you a new doorknob? I've tried to change a doorknob before. Really? Pretty hard to do. I can, I can teach you that. Well, it's too late for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll just hire someone from now on. Sure. I mean, for the rest of my life. Well, if your doorknob, doorknob ever breaks, don't hire someone. Just call me, and I'll come over and hang out with you, and I'll fix it for you. Well, that's the deal. I'll either get a friend to help me. Like, right. I'll probably never learn how to do it. Right. You know what I mean? With, not with, no, not with a doorknob, but in general, yes. Like, I, 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 have a, I have a leaky sink, and I'm, like, really trying hard to, like, try to figure out how to fix it, and I can't. Yeah. I want to. Well, you're not a plumber. So I got I to gotta, I gotta get a guy. Yeah. Get a guy. So, I have a good handyman. Yeah. Dude, I have a handyman. I'll have like 10 things, small things around the house. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I got like 10 things. What do, what do you need? 100 bucks. Really? Well, just come and do them all. He's handy. I, I love it. He's really good at That's it. That's why they call him a handyman. He, he'll just come fix shit. He'll fix shit that I like looked at YouTube for like six hours. Yeah. And he'll be like, uh, I would turn a few knobs and fix shit. I would love his contact. Uh, I've just, got it. Just for the sink sitch. I've got it. Send it over, man. <laughs> Send it through the Make th- a little list of some other shit you need for him. No, I've got a list. Our listeners are like, why are these motherfuckers talking about this and not listening to Unforgiven? All right, Kirk, you're up, baby. Let's see what you got. Oh, on 12th 12? string. Oh, shit. This is be interesting. Bendy notes on acoustic is always weird. How about a 12 string? Right. (laughs) It's all right. I give it a B minus, maybe even a C plus. C plus, yeah. But here's the deal. He gets a pass forever because he wrote this solo. Yeah, he really did. Uh, Yeah. 
wrote it and annihilated it. Ooh, they're not on the same page with these hits. No, 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 they're not. I was thinking about it today. I was watching the tuning room for 2016. Yeah. And they do some cover called Clamped. Okay. I, I guess it's a punk song or something. I don't know. Okay. Someone knows out there. I'm sorry. I don't know it. If it was a Dave Matthews song, I would know it. Right, sure. But they're in the tuning room and their stage manager's going, five minutes, guys. And it's like a lot of tuning rooms where Lars is like, well, what are we going to do? And James does not care. He's yeah. like, dude, whatever. He never makes those decisions. Yeah. He's like, just name a song. Let's do it. And they and Lars goes, did you guys learn Clamped? And they're all like, yeah. He's like, two, three, four. And then they start playing Clamped for the first time together five minutes before they go on stage. So what it was was they were like, hey, let's do this song Clamped. Yeah. Everyone just learn it. No rehearsal. Yeah. And it, I was watching that like, they're about to walk out in front of 20,000 people and play amongst other things that right. they do know this cover song and it's because ultimately they're a punk they're kind of a punk rock band yeah totally like, in okay, their in, in their philosophy yes for sure they're a garage punk rock band yep they do not over rehearse no no that's I, just their sauce see like for like production rehearsals before a tour where you're going over actual production things like the drones and all that shit but like tuning room for the show like no whatever We have a little slideshow happening here on YouTube. I guess they ran out of fan footage. It's pretty crazy how they could stretch out eight songs to an hour. True. Well, that Please Don't Judas Me was about 40 minutes. <laughs> Seriously. 40 minutes of two chords. Look at that weird wood panel dressing room. Yeah. Kind of like the uh, the basement east dressing room. I've never played that shed. Have you played that? Yeah, I've done Shoreline before. Yeah, it's a big Dave Matthews it's, stop. It, it's kind of out in the East Bay. Um, <laughs> Great picture of a guy closing his eyes. Yeah, it's wonderful. Maybe Lars just spit water into his eye. I'm trying to figure out which Dave shows I can go to this summer. Big summer tour. Yeah, man. We need to go. What's the closest? Huntsville, right? Didn't we talk about this? So Not Huntsville. Um. There's like an Atlanta. Okay, no Nashville show. They came here last summer. They tend to uh, they tend to hop. They do a big tour every summer. Yeah. Well, I guess last summer ad coming up was, by the would way would have been pilgrimage. Or yeah, in, or in that's a, right. Was it pil pilgrimage? Yeah, was that the main right. stop? Yeah, that that would have been a Nashville stop. Oh yeah, and I, then, saw, I saw that show. No big deal. That was a good one. So good, my first. But that even wasn't the full thing. It was a festival, right? A festival gig just for any band, not just Metallica, but they're just gonna give you different stuff. Yeah. They're gonna give you the They're gonna give you the hits. If you're a band that has hit songs, they're you, just gonna play their hit songs. You gotta play them. Why wouldn't you? But I remember I remember you and Parker saying that that was a uh, like a really cool set that I got to see for the first time. Like it, it wasn't Well, they opened with One Sweet World. That was pretty nuts. Yeah. What else did we get that was yeah, pretty? We, we all on the Watchtower. Yeah, but that's common. That's kind that of is. a big encore. What was the, there was one that you were like, oh they don't play this that often. Um what was it? Let me grab a Dave Matthews tape from behind me and look. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I thought there was something from Crash. Did they do number 41? They didn't do 41, but that's a common song. You know two of my favorite songs off this record are? What? Um, Two-Step 
Oh, yeah. And um, Let You Down. Oh, I love Let You that's Down. such a good they, song. They don't ever play that. Dude, I would love to see that one. Well, so that's basically the a fixer level song of yeah. Dave's that all the fans are like, play Let, Let You Down. Yeah. He played it. So for his first encore mostly, he'll come out and do a song by himself. Right. The encore one slot. And he did Let You Down once. Everyone talked through it. It's just like... It's so, well, it's such a delicate, quiet song. And no one really cared at the show. Yeah. Like, the tire kickers... The diehards do not, do not make up a large percentage of people at these shows. Sure. Totally. They just don't. Yeah. Maybe 10%. They're all on the rail, for sure. So I saw them all. Warehouse was good. That was unusual. But the two encores were Ants Marching and Watchtower. Okay. We got Gray Street, but that was a single... They did their cover of Sledgehammer, which is fun. That's right. That was fun. But so much to say and too much. Those are hits. Jimmy Thing. Yeah. They you and, you tri- and Me was a hit. Did they do Trippin' Billies at that show? No. No? That would have been great. Yeah. I love that song. Great song. It's so cool that you like Let You Down, dude. I, I love I it. It's, love a, it's a strange tune. song. Well, I, I think what really got me into Dave Matthews initially back in high school, I guess, was the more mid-tempo to, to ballads. Yeah. Crash. Well, there's a great song on Crash called Cry Freedom. It's a great slow song. Love that song. Cry Freedom, Cry. Exactly. That's a great tune. I do love after, I can't remember when it was, sometime last year, uh, after I, came, I was over here doing an episode, we were doing a lot of Dave Matthews talk. Oh, really? And I and I went home and literally the rest of the day, I was like doing like reorganizing my studio or something. I think it was after the show. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay, yeah, it, it was after the show. Like the next day, my wife was like, where my studio is, it's attached to our kitchen. She's like making food. She goes, are you, just, you still jamming Dave Matthews down there? I'm like, sure am. Yeah. I listened to like five records. It was awesome. Nice. What a great song. I mean, I can't think of a lot of songs that are this great that just keep repeating the verses. Right. What songs do that? There's some, I mean, there's some Ramon songs that do it, but as far as like timeless, amazing songs. It's unusual. Very unusual. Well, I think, and we've touched on this before, it, a lot, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it, his dynamics in, in throughout the verses are, are to me, where we're. It, it it makes you not pay attention to the fact that he's repeating the lyrics. Well, so the structure is so strange. He plays three verses, yeah, in a row, in a row, and those are all three of them. Yep. So then they do that kind of, I guess you'd call it a chorus. This part, this thing, yeah. Then he does the first verse, then another, uh, yeah, chorus. Yeah. Then a, kind of a weird solo section. The bing boom, bing boom, bing boom. Right. Then you get verse three again. Yep. Then this, then another chorus, then this solo, and then it ends with what the, the, the first, first, the first, first verse. Yeah. So interesting. Solos on an acoustic don't sound good. Yeah. I, I, I highly encourage people to not do that. I feel like the only time I really loved it was on the solo of Patience by Guns N' Roses. Oh hell yeah, dude! But it's slash. But it's not like a. It, it, obviously, that, it's not like you took a shreddy song and made it slower or. Yeah. But even that didn't sound that great on no. acoustic. No. 
I mean, I get it. What are you going to do? Not play one of your most iconic solos? You got to play it. Of it's course, just like yeah. Pearl Jam on Unplugged. They had to play all those solos. Yeah, for sure. You just run up against. <laughs> you just run up against a lot of boundaries. Uh huh. Absolutely. But you're right. Patience. Great solo. I could sing that solo right now, dude. Dude, that I mean, that whole half of that EP is so rad. I mean, yeah, Patience was great. You got used to love her. One in a million. One in a million. Patience and. Uh, you're crazy. You're, that's right. Acoustic version. That's right. Yeah, fucking crazy. I think that's the only part of that EP worth hearing. I, I don't like the rocking part. Uh, it's I mean it's all live stuff. Reckless life and Mamakin and shit. Yeah, their I mean, their version of Mamakin's cool. That's a kick-ass Aerosmith song, by the way. Ooh, that's different. That a harmony. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's fun. Well, that was worth staying till the end for, wasn't it? Well, I'm glad we didn't leave early to go to to, 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 to beat the traffic. <laughs> to get in our car. Yeah. Well, there you go, everybody. Thank you very much and a good night. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, it's for the kids. It's for the kids. It's for charity, everybody. It's, it's hard to be too critical, and you know what it is. It's a unique. It's a unique evening. Yeah. It's a and, unique evening with Metallica. And if you all want to stick around, we're going to listen to Night One now. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Did we ever revisit the 97 one? We should maybe check that out. We should check that out sometime. That'd be fun. And then the 2016 one looks pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but overall, I mean, some of those covers just got kind of boring. Yeah. I mean, even Disposable Heroes, it just drudges on. The big winners. Let's see. What were the big winners? I thought the all dire, within my hands. Dire Straits one was pretty cool. Dire Straits song was fine. The Blue Oyster Cult song was pretty good. Yeah. What did they open with? I already forgot what they opened. I with. just want to celebrate. Yeah. And it was I mean, shock value. Like whoa, they're covering a rare Earth song. This is interesting. Right. Like almost like I don't know if I call that like a dance song, but it's very poppy. Does Rare Earth count as a built-in meat band name? Mm. Like Rare Steak Earth. I think that should be Rare Earth <laughs> for sure. I want, I'm I'm excited to play this game on the road. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, for sure. There's a guy named Phil Schaus. I don't know if you know him. He plays for Gene Simmons and mm-hmm. Ace Fraley now. He's yeah. actually in the metal band Accept now. Oh, crazy. He was Rodney's first guitar player. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I took over for Phil. Yeah. And uh, he's a really cool guy. Nashville yeah, yeah. rocker. He's just a rock guy. Yeah. He looks like a rock star. Sure. And uh, I introduced that game to him in like 2013 on a van tour yeah. with Jada Dreyer. And to this day, he'll text me. We won't talk for like 18 months. And he'll just text me like Ham Halen. Like one will, one will occur to him, and he'll, and he'll do it. He'll just text me that. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure you've done the meat, the meatles. There's the meatle, and, and yeah. another one that's already built in the meat puppets. Of course, yeah, meat puppets. Yeah, dude. Uh, so random on my like time hop app today. I was in Columbus eight nine years ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. Watching the meat puppets. <laughs> was that was that the, little, little pig let me in, or was that green jelly? Yeah, that was that's green jelly. What are the, what, meat, puppets? the meat meat puppets? Did um. And when I wake up in, in the, the morning, morning, wait. To feel the day Backwater? break on my face. Yeah, it's me puppets. I love that song. Great song, yeah. Some things will never, never change. change. Yep. Backwater, but there's something that... I'm going to listen to that today. Yeah, that's a great song. That's yeah. called... The, that's the Meat Puppets? Meat Puppets, yeah. Gun, gun. Gun, 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 gun. Very 90s. Yeah, oh yeah, very 90s. Dude, just put, put the 90s sauce... Put the soup of the '90s on anything in my life. Oh, we're good. I'm fine. If you want to see me and Clint and like Johnny Sword at our happiest on the road, it's us sitting in the front lounge just going through '90s jams, dude. It's so fun. Well, that night we watched that Stundle Pilots concert. Oh, dude, that was amazing. Which that was from 2011, but it was all the Still, '90s gems, dude. It was so good. It sounded great. 
Well, here's the homework. Um, if you won the box set or you won the coolers, you got to email us, metal at your podcast show at gmail.com so that we can know where to send them. Exactly. Uh, but they're ready to go. They're ready to rock. Ready. They will be in your hands within a week if you write in and let us know. And if we don't hear from you within the, within the week, you you lose. Sorry, we're going to move on. Uh, check out the Kickstarter that I'm going to be doing for my rock album, Going Supernova. We'll which post Ethan, on the socials. Ethan played all the drums. Yeah, follow us on the socials. Also, my podcast with Katie Featherston, who's the actress who was in Paranormal Activity. Yeah called A to Z with Clint and Katie. That's launching in the middle of May. Dude, you've been working on this for a while. Well, here's how we wanted to do that. We wanted to get almost half of it done. So yeah. each season, so every letter of the alphabet, we choose a topic and we just, we explore it. Cool. But it's like research. It's not like a tangent city. Yeah. So whichever one of us, like the J was John Lennon. Oh, cool. So example. that was all about, you wrote all about that. Exactly. The, the episode one is about auditions. So she talks the all about- E for Ethan? <laughs> we did a racer head. Oh, perfect. I also did that one. Um, so about half of it, half of season one is already completely recorded and edited. Oh, cool. Two episodes a month. They're going to start coming out May 15th. Another exciting thing is as as the time of you hearing this, this week, our first single from Attention Machine is coming out. Ooh, hell yeah. Which you're in that live band. Yeah, I played that live a couple and times. And we're going to be releasing a song a month for the rest of the year. Dude, that's so awesome. An album in December. Love it. So between my rock album, the EP, Great White Light. Yeah. Uh, attention machine attention machine material and my other podcast with katie damn there's just a lot going on there's a lot of clint content coming your way there's a lot going on dude clint medium wells oh <laughs> pretty good not bad all right well everyone knows what to do right did we give everyone their homework yeah that's the homework all right we love you guys thanks for all the support we'll see you next week bye peace adios <laughs> you were our advisor, what would you say? And then I would say, delete that. <laughs>